Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Surfa CBD, grown by surfers for surfers to help you maintenance your body after a lifetime of surfing. Follow us on Instagram at Surfa, S-E-R-F-A, CBD. Use promo code late night with chalky at checkout for 20% off surfacbd.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Our guest this week is an award-winning executive and philanthropist with three decades of experience in the early 90s he bought a surf shop and created the h2o winter classic for those that don't know it's a surf and snowboard contest it had music it was insane he helped create and launch red bull's marketing strategy here in the u.s what yes and has helped numerous brands board ceos and political campaign as a strategist and advisor holy smokes this guy is prolific. This guy is gnarly. As a founding member of the Business Alliance for Protecting the Pacific Ocean, which represents over 7,500 businesses on the West Coast, he was presented three certificates of special congressional recognitions Holy for protecting the ocean and our coastal communities. It doesn't stop there, folks. This guy, his influence, his contribution to our industry, his is as uh, his contribution to the community and the planet is unprecedented. We are honored and welcome the guy who put a whole new meaning to the word or phrase quiver of boards. <laughs> Mr. Vipe, Viper, Vipster, decide. Woo! Wow. Wow. Quiver that? of boards. That this guy. And I mean, shit. I know. That was a whole. Sorry, you guys, for the intro. That was like nine There's. Minutes. To, there's a table of contents right there, dude. Yeah. So just <laughs> before we dive into the, the beginning, like Lyndon always likes, 
you're, you sat on a lot of boards and you helped a lot of companies. And, and what? Snowboard, surfboard, skateboard? <laughs> <laughs> all the all the above. Yeah, <laughs> he's a triple threat. Dude, I, I don't know. I think, I, yeah, there, what you, you call said that? encyclopedia. I think there's a board or a company or some foundation from A to Z that he's covered. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Red Bull. What, what? What? You helped orchestrate their marketing strategy? Yeah, here in 1998. Look, first off, thanks so much for the incredible <laughs> intro. I've never heard anything like that. It almost makes me think of like, who are these guys talking about, you know? Wait, I did that? Yeah, exactly. Really? I love uh, the internet. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, thanks so much for that. And look, I'll t- a full disclosure: the only reason why I'm on this podcast is I get to drop fuck bombs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the only podcast where I know I can get away with it. So yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, get that out of there. It's out of the way. Okay, hey, fuck you, you fucking fuck. Oh, okay. there we go. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, okay, so clean it. Wait, can I can I do one more? Yeah. What's the best? The best scene in in one of the best movies, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, when 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 John Candy, st- no, yeah. Steve, those aren't pillows. St- no, no, no. Steve uh, Steve Martin, Martin walks into the rental place and he's like, "Hey, how can I help you?" That lady, that irritating lady, how can I help you? And he just starts going off. You, you can first off, you can wipe that fucking smile off your fucking <laughs> That's face right. and get me a fucking car. You fucking like he just keeps going. Totally. And then she just looks at him and smiles again. And she looks at him. She goes, "You're fucked." <laughs> <laughs> and I that feel like that's every scene. every like problem with you know yeah. rent a cars and traveling. Like you think of that situation. Yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> it, ne- it never goes smooth ever. Yeah. yeah, in any of those situations. Totally. But that was a great scene. Great scene. Oh. Great scene. Him and John Candy. Oh my god. So Man, good. Those aren't pillows. Good. Those aren't pillows. That was my favorite scene. Uh, <laughs> Just because I thought it was so fun. Made movies like that. Uh, uh, so get... so Vite. Wow. Yes. Um, Where do you guys want to start? Let's start at the beginning, like we always do. Where did you find surfing? Where did you grow up? Yeah, you know, that is a fun story to tell, and I haven't told it to too many people, so uh, this is probably one of the first public places that I've told this story. Um, I was an inner city kid growing up in the heart of LA in a rough neighborhood, and uh, I'd never seen the ocean, never been to the beach, didn't even know what it was. How old were you? Uh, I think I was probably like eight. Okay. And were you uh, born? In the U.S.? I was born, born in India. I was okay. born in Bombay. Okay. And then we uh, moved to England for a few years. And then in 1970, we moved to L.A. Wow. So, Job know. relocation, parents? Like, uh, parents, just yeah. trying to like improve and immigrate to a better world yeah. and all that stuff. Same Entrepreneurial, here. you know, it's just the American dream. Yeah, Come American here dream. and build your family. Um, do you remember India? Like, oh, yeah. Do you remember Bombay? So, I do. I do. Okay. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, third world. Third world. Yeah. Very third world. And a lot of disparity in the haves and have nots. For sure. Um, very, yeah. very separated. Very separated. You got the uber wealthy. Yeah. Servants live like kings and queens. And then you got 
Yeah. Everybody else. Everybody yeah. else. And you yeah. got to buy your way into every situation. You know, it's like if you want your kid to go to college, you got to find somebody to pay off. Yeah. If you want something built, you got to find somebody to pay off. Corruption is yes. rampant. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Over there. What, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what did your parents do for a living? Yeah, so uh, my dad was into like electronics and engineering, so he worked at ABC. Okay. That was his big thing. And then, in India? No, here in okay. the U.S. He, well, he was just into electronics and engineering. So you guys had to be close to the... To the networks. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, he came over here and wanted to be involved in electronics. So he worked at ABC fixing stuff, putting together cameras and all that stuff. And then he started to invest. Um, he bought a bunch of hotels over time and everything. What? So, yeah, hotels. Here in the here U.S.? Here in the U.S. I think okay. at one point we probably owned like eight hotels. And, and, and I don't wow. know. Wow. That's kind of a thing for, for like yeah. the Indians. It's totally a thing. And there's a reason for it as well, which is interesting because you get to work and live on in the, one place. Yeah. And it's also with your, with, with your extended family. With your you really extended family. Yeah. Exactly. But it's also kind of like this, you know, uh, uh, kind of like uh, a whip strategy where it's like, you know, my dad bought um, a motel. Okay. But then he would bring his brother over to run it and they'd have a place to stay and build their income and start their so career journey then they would buy a hotel or my a dad would help them that's you're so living, you're living that, on property that yeah. is so interesting your overhead of life is less yeah, so yeah like, exactly you know, it's a great yeah formula right? because it's a great like, formula yeah for for me i'm an immigrant too right mm -hmm. and when we came here like my mom came first she kind of set the foundation and then it was my sister and i then my brother and I sister, my dad, then my brother and sister, then yeah. our fit was here. Yeah. But then our house was like the stepping stone to America. Yep. You know, like we had people. Other families other, came in. Yeah. Right? Cousins yeah. and uncles and aunts would yeah. go through our house, yeah. stay with us for whatever, however yeah. long, and then find their way. Yeah. What an interesting Oh, it, it was insane. You know, like, my dad was able to bring over all of his family and my mom's family as well and get them started and say... Here's our hotel. You get to keep all the income from it to build whatever life you want. And then I'll help you buy your own place, whatever business you want, motel. And it was just kind of like this strategy where you linked family together and helped each other out. That's incredible. American dream right there. Oh, and, full American dream. Yeah. And, and the fact that 
You know, Whoop. you're going to have to hire somebody to run it anyways. Totally. Were so, other people doing that? And your dad? Indian people were doing that. Okay, yeah, so Indian he saw people, that. He saw that. And, and then, he had heard it from, from other people as well. So it was kind of just... That? Yeah, because I, I mean, I've over the you know, of course, course of my so. life, I've stayed in so many places and, yeah. and traveling and stuff. And, and yeah, the ethnicity of like who owns most of the hotels. Yeah. And they're not these big... Hilton extravagance. Yeah. They're like mom and pop, like totally. motel hotels off yeah. the, you know, and um, I just always found it interesting. And you could say that about um, different businesses, whether it's donuts that you're eating right there yep. or uh, dry cleaners or yeah. a seamstress. Like it, it seems that there's a, a specialty totally. or a niche yeah. or a, a, for a, Filipinos, it's like hospitality, like yeah. and yeah. nurses yeah. and yeah. dental hygienists. I was just talking to yeah. somebody about that the other day. It's like that's kind of where. The Filipino ethnicities go is that side. Of you're exactly yeah. right. Like again, it, it, it's in every part of our you know infrastructure and business yeah. world here. Yeah, like it's just. Crazy. But it's like you said, it's the American dream. It is, it's American you know. And I got to be part of that. And you know, uh, I remember going to school, and you know, like I said, I'd never seen the ocean, never seen waves, didn't even know what it was. How long were you guys in England for? Um, maybe like two years. Okay. I, I barely remember it. Yeah. I was a kid, like maybe between two and three years old. Okay. And I've gone back a couple of times, so I understood where we lived and our roots there and yeah. everything. But your your mom and dad were like, we're going to... I think yeah, their, their plan was to come yeah. to America. It's and probably everything. easier to go through another route than yeah. going straight yeah. to America. Like you, you yeah. know, we've heard other people that you know, had to go to another country and wait for your visa or your work permit or whatever, but it's yeah. easier to come when you're vetted from another yeah. country. Totally, especially if it's another Western nation yeah. as well. So it just kind of made it easy. But I think my parents would have been fine if we stayed in, or lived in England. But, you know, yeah. for, for my dad, it was like, you know, if our family's going to prosper, we've got to go there. And, and there's another incredible story around my family's history as well that we can touch on later. But there's this whole connection to where and how my dad and family grew up and everything too which is pretty cool which influenced me in philanthropy nice. as well so it's like i was able to discover that journey of my dad and everything and how hmm. it related back to his village literally a village that he lived in a dirt and wood you know compound with all of his family and everything yeah. right? it's just really cool history and heritage that i've been fortunate to be able to learn from it's interesting to hear those kind of stories because, like, you know, we're we're so first world in our minds, and yeah. then when we hearken back to how people live without phones and internet and fucking, you know, yeah. yeah, any of the things that we take for granted every day, and you're, you know, it's your, your second generation. Yeah, it's just like not that long ago that your parents lived that life. Yeah, right, yeah. like. A tiny little village where you know dirt roads, running water. Yeah, running water wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, you know that's it's like, so wild. You know, it's like you look from the front of the house to the back of the house, you could see the cows. Yeah, you know, it's like that's just the cows were right there, yeah. and you know they provided the milk and they go milk them, and you know yeah. they come in, and it was just a different world. It was normal for them, but yet it's. So different once you experience like what it's like here, you know. Totally. They grew up and they're like, "That's how my grandparents, my parents, and everybody grew up." Yeah. It's normal, but man, my, yeah. like my childhood, I remember a little bit. I moved here when I was six from the Philippines, and we lived kind of. We weren't rich, but we were definitely a little above middle class, yeah. I think. 
But um, we had a monkey. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. We had a monkey. Oh, and, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was like, we're, but we were in the city, but we, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was so, it was city, but it was still so provincial. Yeah. You know? And the fucking, like the jeepneys and, you know, I remember all that stuff. Yeah. Like the crazy jeeps and the crazy scooters. But yeah, it's uh, it's crazy because, like I said, that's it was your dad, you know, not your grandpa or your yeah. great great grandpa. It was, you know, what I mean, like it was my dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. your parents made their wealth through hotels. Yeah, through hotels. yeah, through hotels. Okay. That was their wealth, right. and, and you ended up in L.A. Ended up in L.A. And that took a long time, too. That didn't just like, hey, we came here and all of a sudden it's like eight hotels popped up. I mean, that was the course of 15 years. You know, they, you know, it was building blocks. It's kind of like Monopoly, you know. Did they start in California or did they start? No, here in California. That's all that it was is Southern California. He wanted his family close by and everything. So it was like, okay, if we're going to buy places, let's buy it to where our family can be together yeah um you know with maybe an hour drive and wherever there are opportunities so my dad was really strategic about that stuff yeah you know but uh it was it was really fun you know so smart yeah yeah. it was is it's it's a whole different mentality and i got to see it and what i really enjoyed is seeing how my dad helped all of his brothers and sisters you know to realize this incredible life and opportunity and all of them are well off now they're all super successful they've got kids and they're just they're appreciative of the american dream you know that they've gotten and and, i mean the family business structure here you see it you hear about it but i don't think it's as embraced you know as like you know, you grew up in your family business. A lot of kids are like, I don't want to do what my parents yeah, do. They want, kind to, do of, they want to do their own thing. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, well, you don't know how great you have it, you yeah. know, and how you should embrace and, and, and follow that that dream. And, and the legacy. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, there's there's so many choices, you know, the world and people. Look, it's, it depends on what works for you. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You know, there's no right answer or anything no. like that. And there's no wrong answer. It's just whatever you feel comfortable. I mean... You know, I think that, you know, here there's this kind of like once you're 18, you're independent, get out, you yeah. know, go, go do your own thing. And, you know, I think in, in, in certain cultures, you know, there's that component of like, you know, let's help each other out however we can and, you know, see what yeah. we can do together. So there's a lot of collaboration and cooperation, I think, in other cultures um, and I see it here too with some folks, but not as much. Yeah, not as much. I do. I do. I say it both, but yeah. I mean, it's just it's awesome. I, I love it. I so, talked to I talked to a, an Uber driver. This is maybe about a year ago, and you know, always chit chat. Like you know, like hey, are you from around here? Like you know, where you you know, how's your day? You making some money? You know, just totally. small talk. Small you know? talk. Um, and. He he was uh, Iranian, mm-hmm. you know, and he came over here on his uncle's visa or however that works is sponsored. Yeah, you know, he's like, yeah, my uncle came over here like 30 years ago and worked his way up um, in the fast food industry, and now he owns his. I think he owned like two franchises in like 30 years. You know, like came over with like no nothing. Money. Yeah, you know, worked three jobs and then he's all, yeah, he sponsored me. I showed up. He gave me twenty five thousand dollars. And said, "His this is your money to start your life here," um, and he used so it. To, he used so it cool. to buy uh, this car, 
and he's going to school. He's like, I'm going to school and I bought this car and, and that's how I'm starting out. And I'm just like, that is incredible. You know, right. like, yeah, it's incredible. The determination and the, 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 the fact that he's not squandering this gift and opportunity yeah. to, from his uncle, but also what this country has to offer. And yeah. there's so yeah. many, like, I mean, loving patriots or they just love the American dream so much and the opportunity because yeah. it is, it's word of mouth. That's, that's how society and the world works. That's why know? everybody wants to, live, yeah. wants to live here. Yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we are the melting pot of, of the world and with the, you know, the most amazing, you know, opportunity and you hear it all the time. Like, I mean, you're a perfect example of it. Perfect. 30 years, you know, 40 years, 50 years, I don't know. Yeah. Not that old, but you know, fifty one years old. But your parents years came ago. over here, you yeah. know, quite a while ago and it's still happening today. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, one funny thing is that it's like I, I have on my desk at home and it's a remembrance of everything my family worked so hard for, but uh I have the first dollar my dad made when he no came way. here. Yeah, it's just framed so or, framed. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's framed and it's just so rad to see that it's like this dollar was the beginning of you know yeah. our family's history and life here and it's funny because it's like my kid uh you know a couple years ago he's like dad why do you have that dollar frame you know <laughs> yeah. and i told him i go that's the first dollar that my dad made you know when he came here and it's like it's important that that's how we started you yeah. know so it's, it's it's i think there's just so so much rad history that my family has given me and you know i, I feel super stoked that you know where I'm at. I mean, it's like I'm a kid born in Bombay who grew up in inner city LA and fell in love with surfing randomly. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm you know, I've got this incredible platform with SEMA and Surfrider and right, relationships. You're going too fast. No, yeah. he's just giving a recap. Yeah, I, just, I, just I, a little yeah. background. So, so, yeah. the, so back inner city LA, inner city LA. So, inner city LA. And all of a sudden, there's a school oceanography field trip out of the port of L.A. Nice. And what we, school were you going to? Do you remember? Oh, I can't even remember. Um, so you're like yeah. in elementary school? Elementary okay. school, lower level elementary school. You went to uh, Marineland? It, no, went to ocean, an oceanography uh, oh. field trip. It was on a boat out of the port of L.A. They put kids on a boat oh, to sick. introduce us to the ocean. And... You know, it was just kind of like kids on a bus and we're like, we're going on a field trip, you know, and it's like we get off and we're like, wow, there's what is this, you know, and then we get on the boat and, you know, we start going out the harbor and I remember it to this day. My memory's bad, but for some reason that memory sticks with me, but it's like the bobbing up and down on the boat, smelling the water as it's splashing up on the front and everything. And I'm just like, what is going on? On had here. you seen the ocean already? Never. I'd never seen the ocean, but I mean, I had just seen it at that point for the first time. And I'm like, that's a lot of water. Yeah. And that's what a boat is. Oh my gosh, I'm going on a boat, yeah. you know? And it's like, <laughs> wow. And then all of a sudden we're on the boat and, you know, we're moving out of the harbor and I'm like, this is like the funnest ride ever. Yeah. All these emotions and experiences and, you know, uh, kind of like you know, things are firing off, just like, what is this experience? And, you know, they, they, they pull up a net afterwards and they show all the different things that are in the ocean and like there's starfish and crabs and fish and all these things. And I'm just like blown away. And so in my mind, that memory stuck. I go back to school 
you know, getting back into the school life and I'm drawing stuff that I saw, the boat, the ocean, the different things in the ocean, the sunset, the clouds and all that. It's all of a sudden, it's like it's stuck in my memory. And my parents, you know, start seeing that it's like, oh, he, he's loving the ocean. But since they don't swim, they're like, well, we're not going back to the beach because yeah. the beach is dirty. It's like sand in the feet. We're yeah. not beach people. We don't swim. So you know whatever and then all of a sudden they're like oh you know what he loves the ocean let's take him to the movies okay to the movies to the movies jaws jaws okay (laughs) they took me to see jaws okay and i walked out of there going no way i want nothing to do with the ocean it can go away oh yeah that'll teach oh you like the ocean how do you like the ocean now exactly something that eats boats and people no way no way. I'm not going back. So Eat boats. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, seriously, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I'm like... need a bigger boat. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this, you know, thought. Yeah. The ocean's done. No more drawing no boats. No more drawing boats or anything like that. <laughs> Let's get back to freeze tag. Um, and then uh, something happened that really changed the course of my family's life, which was there was a shooting at my school. Oh, damn. And it was just a BB gun, but it was, uh, you know, a kid showed up with a BB gun and just kind of went to town in a couple classrooms because, you know, he was probably pissed off and my cousin was injured um, and nobody died, nothing major. Is this elementary or junior high? Elementary. Elementary. It was within a year or two of that whole boat, Jaws trip and everything. So all of a sudden, you know, it's like, I'm like, what's going on? I walk out and there's cops and helicopters and everything. And then I hear that there was a shooting and I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, can I shoot something? You know, it's like, who's, who's got a BB gun? You know, (laughs) it's like, you don't think about the danger. Yeah. So then, you know, my parents are like, you know, we've been wanting to move. We've saved up enough. Let's, let's look at taking the step to move out of this rough neighborhood. And so you were in like a hotel in a rough neighborhood. I was in a, yeah, we owned okay. a motel in a super, super rough neighborhood. I mean, gates, fences, windows barred, yeah. all that stuff. Sketchy, super sketchy. Yeah. And, um, you know, as late, a kid. Late 70s, it was pretty rough. It was pretty rough in that area. I mean, it's Probably like. more rough now, but. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, rough. that area has gotten a little bit more cleaned up, but still, it's like, I remember where it's like, you know, the gates were closed and. You know, it's like that was where I could play. It's like my parents were like, don't go outside the gates. Yeah. You know, it's like if yeah. somebody wanted to come in, they had to open up the gates and all that stuff. But, you know, so the shooting happened and my parents are like, we're moving. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what a move is, but okay. Yeah. We moved to Torrance. Okay. And, you know, a bit of a culture shock too, Torrance. Okay. It's like here, I'm going to this inner city school with like, you know, kids of color, yeah, predominantly black and yeah. Mexican, you yeah. know, and I'm just like, okay, these are kids. And yeah. then all of a sudden I go to Torrance and there's no black kids. There's no Mexican kids. You yeah. know, I'm the only dark kid there yeah. and everybody's white. And I'm just kind of like, wow, these kids are different. So Torrance yeah. kind of near the coast? Uh, right across from Del Amo Mall. Okay. So not completely close to the yeah. ocean, but yeah. close enough to yeah. where it's like it was connected and, um, you know... It, did they buy another hotel there? No. Well, they did. They had one there a long time ago in Torrance, and they loved the city. Yeah. So that's why they were like, hey, they, they had the hotel. They had sold it, but they loved Torrance. Yeah. So they're like, let's buy a house there. 
Um, it just looks like a good area to raise a family in, yeah. which it was. Yeah. So. And how many siblings are there? Well, just my brother and I. Okay. Yeah, but we're 11 years apart. So when we moved to Torrance, he wasn't born yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, he'd, he'd come along a with big, a few. gap. Big gap. Big yeah. gap, yeah. Well, my mom had some health issues oh. and she had a couple miscarriages. So, uh, you know, there was that issue going on. But they decided to try one more time and I got, I got a brother. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, so it was rad. And then, um, you know, it's like, you know, I didn't know what to think of it, but it's like, you know, you'd think in, if you look at in this day and age, how sometimes color becomes a problem, yeah. you know, I look back and go, none of those kids judged me for my color. Yeah. You know, they were super cool. They're like, hey, we're going to go play on the playground. You want to go? And it's yeah. like, yeah, sure. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to do He's baseball. He's new kid. You're just yeah, a new kid. I'm the new kid. Yeah. And it didn't matter what color I was or anything yeah. or what I was into they were just like hey it's a new kid let's we got somebody else to play with yeah. you know and it was rad to see how that wasn't a factor and I remember the that first week there was a couple kids who were like hey we're gonna talk our parents into buying surfboards you want to go surfing with us and I'm like <laughs> what is surfing you know yeah. it's like what you, I didn't know and I'm like well, you know, and you kind of play dumb and you're like, yeah, of course I can talk my parents into surfing. You yeah. know, it's like you can't say no yeah. because I'm a scared yeah. of the ocean because it's like that will stick with you for the rest of your yeah. life. Kids will make fun of you. Did it's they like, tell you it, was, it involves the ocean? After a while, they did. You know, I was like, well, what is surfing? And they're like, oh, well, it's like, you know, there's a surfboard and you use it in the ocean to catch waves. And I'm all like, well, what are waves? You're like, like wait a minute. Jaws. <laughs> but in my mind, I was going Jaws yeah. and Sharks. But, but it's like, wanna... oh, I, if I had, yeah. got, if I had, sh I think at that age, if I had shown any signs of fear, yeah. they would have been like, oh, there's chicken shit vibe. <laughs> you know? Well, it's you're like, not, you're not at a beach community, but you're close to it. You're yeah. close to the beach. Totally. So talking in your parents, meaning like you have to get to and from the beach. It's a whole process. It's yeah. not just grab a board and yeah. And, you know, right down to the beach. There's a lot of logistics. For sure. Oh, lots yeah, of logistics. And, uh, Not, let alone that these are very conservative, traditional Indian parents who are like, hotels and convenience stores <laughs> and flying airplanes and doctors is yeah. our thing. Yeah. Surfing? No. And so It's know. like, hey, didn't we show you Jaws before? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're like, did you not learn Jaws, anything bro? from this movie? So, you know, we, we, we figured it out. We schemed and plotted that it's like, okay, we're going to get this going. And sure enough, you know, it's like I talked my parents into it. And I'm like, all the kids are doing it. I want to hang out with these friends. Yeah. Can I get into surfing? And they were kind of like, we don't really know what this is, but okay. Yeah. Went down to ET and got my first surfboard and wetsuit. ET, ET, awesome. That's ET amazing. is where it started for me, wow. and uh, got my first surfboard and wetsuit. Matt Warshaw sold me my first wow. surfboard Shut and wetsuit. Shut the front door. Yeah, I don't think he knows that, you know. But like, he yeah, worked at ET. He worked at ET. No, and Matt me. Warshaw is the founder of Encyclopedia of Surfing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He worked there, so he sold me my first surfboard and what wetsuit. A trip. It was a Dennis Jarvis Spider ET board before Dennis started his own started his own shop. And then, you know, so we got it. I got the board and everything, and we all went down to the beach. And ET was in the same spot as it is e today. Same, same yeah. spot as today. Yeah. Same exact spot, just a bigger so shop. Yeah. That's it. You know, I think the wax and all that stuff that's on the floor is still it's there just, from, yeah. from the 80s, you now, know? No, yeah. it's never changed. Were you... So, 
you just got introduced to surfing, right? Just got introduced. Just the to concept surfing. of it, right? Yeah. Now, were you guys like were those friends of yours wearing like sex wax t shirts, and then they have like you know what I mean? You know what surfers? they were they were wannabe surfers, and the place to shop back then was a place called Surprise Store. <laughs> Okay. Surprise store? I thought Surprise you were going to say Miller's Outpost. I was no. The same thing. It, was, yeah. it was kind of like Miller's Outpost, but light mm-hmm. and local. But there was a place called Surprise Store, and it's like, that's where you went to get your surf stuff, like your rainbow wallets and all that stuff, yeah. you know? It's like, that's where you just went, but that was like the surf hub. And I think some of the kids were wearing some of the brands. Yeah, because like, I mean, I there wasn't even... a lot of brands, but from back then, it was like, Sex wax T-shirts, and yeah, yeah. Op and maybe Town and Country, right? Yeah, like, there was Offshore, Offshore uh, Stubbies. Yeah. yeah, was there Op? Um, you know, there was all these obscure brands that unfortunately aren't around today. Yeah. But were you, do you remember seeing those? And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it because it's like that was part of the 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 you know the experience, and it's yeah. like you can't be a surfer and not rep this right. stuff you know you gotta it's start like, looking like a surfer you totally have I mean, to start looking you gotta like be looking like a surfer before yeah. you become a surfer were, totally, <laughs> totally. Were, were, were the kids like showcasing magazines at school or like sitting around like check out these magazines oh yeah like, the like, magazines I mean were like just gold I mean it's like if you got a magazine you you know you were probably getting sent to the principal's office because during class you're reading them and passing it around and yeah. everything and you're cutting photos out and gluing them on your peachy folder and putting them on your wall putting them on your wall you're drawing waves on your paper all the time i mean it was definitely like straight out of fast times at ridgemont high sure that's what i was thinking you know it's like you were just jonesing and then it's like you tear up the magazines and throw posters of all these people on your wall and everything did you surf before you got your first surfboard no, no. I, it was just like, okay, I guess I need a board, and this is where you go to get a board. And I didn't even know size, shape, anything. What I needed did your to parents do. Take what, you or my did parents you go, took me, okay. and uh, they what were. What a just, monumental day, though! Right? Oh, like, incredible for sure. Especially yeah. like you, you know, your your friends are talking you into it, and then you're it's your turn to get your board. Yeah, and you're like, fuck yeah. Well, you I'm know, kind like, of, I don't know if I was like, fuck yeah. I was kind of like, oh shit, because I, I didn't. Now I'm committed. Now I'm committed. Now it's like, well, what's going on here? I don't even know it, what this is. I, I don't even, I've never, okay, to this point, okay, I haven't even seen anybody surf, surf away. I haven't even seen a magazine or a video or anything like that. So I'm just like, hey, I need a surfboard. Okay, let's get you a board. You know, and it's like this single fin, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. That's what I need. And my parents are like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, used, dinged up board. And it's like, well, you need a wetsuit too. And it's like, okay, um, I got this spring suit, body glove spring suit. And my parents are like shaking their head going, that's a lot of money. It's adding up. Yeah, it's adding up. It's adding up. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you need a leash, you know, and you need a wax. And, you know, it's like, here you go. And I'm like, yeah what's the wax for yeah you know it's like what's the leash for yeah. you know it's like how Does do you go around it? my neck yeah how do i put this wetsuit on what's this thing for you know you mean i gotta get naked i mean we went on the beach and i didn't even use a towel i just like stripped down and like put on the wetsuit i, I you know who knew about the wrapping the towel to hide yeah. your garbage you know it was just like this is who we were did you right. did you did you know what 
beach to go to or just like that my they, friends the kids that i was meet uh, at this spot yeah they, well they were well we all got dropped off at the same time we got we talked one of our parents into it and i believe it was one of the other kids because it definitely wasn't mine and it was avenue a in the south bay yeah okay and we got down there and we're just like okay we got dropped off so, we so got all do you like 10 or 11 or i'd probably say about like yeah probably about 11 yeah yeah about 11 and you know just like okay see you guys and it's like do you guys not want to see if we drown <laughs> yeah. it's like you know where's the safety mechanism oh, there's yeah. lifeguards. not really but yeah oh no 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 well, it gets better it gets better so we get dropped off it's raining and it is the largest craziest El Nino year. swell of the year. That was like the El Nino year. That's the first day you show up. First day we show up. How come nobody's surfing? It's because it's huge and closed out, and Shut we don't know up. any better. And you know, you don't like, see anybody on the beach. Nobody. Fuck. Nobody's surfing. Okay. But you see the waves. But we see the waves, and we're like, hey, there's waves. And my friends are like, there's waves. Let's go. And I'm like, okay. You know. And, and none of these guys had surfed either. Never surfed. And are, are how? You, are you, how? Crazy is that? Like, I know. Yeah, that a, would be child endangerment now, right? For sure. A, a circle think, of friends like deciding they want to go surfing without ever surfing. Ever, ever, yeah, ever, ever. <laughs> ever. And, and and I look back and it's like I, I knew why they wanted to surf because honestly, my friends were nerds and we were nerds and we we're yeah. like, man, the cool kids surf and we're like, well, we want to be cool. Let's yeah. surf. It's yeah, like, we were dorks. <laughs> I mean, we got picked on. I mean, everything. And we're like, yeah, we're dorks. We know. But like surfing might make us a little bit cool. Okay. And were, were you guys water safe? Meaning like you, no, everybody could swim. I don't mean like I surf, think so. Like, everybody well, you everybody could swim, but swimming in the ocean is different. a whole different animal yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. So it's like okay, uh, you know, what do we do with this stuff? Okay, the leash goes on your leg. Well, which leg? I don't even. What do you mean? Goofy you, foot regular. What's your stance? What's my stance? How do you, you know? paddle? Where do you How, sit on yeah, your board? Exactly. Everything. How do I paddle? Oh where, my God. You know, and it's like, where do I put the wax on the bottom or the top? You know, it's like, where, where do you put this? It's like we're just figuring it out, and you know, my friends are like, oh no, Vipey, put the wax on the top. Okay. How much do I put on? Should I put it up by the nose? You know, yeah. none of it goes on the fins. Yeah. It's just like everything that you don't it's know. Totally we're oblivious to Oblivious, anything. oblivious, naive yeah. and stupid to everything. And then it's like, what do that we do now? Hilarious. Okay, and luckily they had seen like photos and probably seen something to where it's like, okay, you go there and it's like you jump on it and it's like you start paddling. And I'm like, well, what's paddling? <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you mean? And it's like, oh, it's swimming with your surfboard underneath you. And it's like, I'm watching them and I'm like, all right. So it's like I try and I'm kind of like, uncoordinated paddling and everything and sure enough like you know these bombs are detonating right in front of me and i'm just getting put to the ringer and i'm like wow this this surfing thing's not very fun i i can't yeah. imagine not it's knowing survival. what surfing is and how to surf yeah and and trying to surf yeah. because i remember trying to surf and like not knowing how to sit on a board yeah and not knowing how to paddle like you know what I mean? Like yeah. where your chest needs to be just at a certain spot. part of the board. Yeah. Yeah. And and even just sitting on the board was so difficult. Too far up, it's going out the back, the too far back. It's like yeah. it, there's so many Yeah, and how many times like the muscle the, memory and the board like squirt out from under you oh, when yeah. you're like, oh, oh and yeah. I mean you're a complete 
There was no YouTube back then. Kook. Nobody was, yeah, full, full-blown and, and, kook. And I don't mean that derogatory, but that's just how you are. You're just a yeah. kook. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Nobody gave sure. us any tips whatsoever. <laughs> no pointers, no lessons, nothing. Where to sit, get out here, duck diving. And, and, what and the again, to that? remind everyone, we're talking 70s. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, 70s. we're talking uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s. <laughs> You know, which not a lot of people in the water, regardless. Right. Yeah. And, and and honestly, if you were to like, if you if you went on a small day or smaller day and saw surfers, you would have gotten probably like ridiculed. Probably. I mean, the seventies vibes weren't. Vibes. You know, when you're a little kid, probably not so much. But you definitely <laughs> there'd you probably know. be somebody that would like you know <laughs> rail into you. But it's like you know, it it we're was talking just weird. South Bay though. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I don't think you know. I never felt. Uh, any sort of localism vibe in the South Bay, no? even afterwards. Yeah, and maybe I was just oblivious to it. Like, yeah. you know, you just block everything out and you do your thing. You're yeah. like, man, I just got to, like, stay on my board and not drown. So, and no, so going back to that day, yeah. no one drowned. No one drowned. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's like none of us made it out. We were all beat to death. We got on the beach just, like, worn out and everything and, like, Laughing and smiling, like man, Surviving now that we survived. Let's and we're do like, it again. Totally, we yeah. were like, we're in. It's like we had fun regardless of that. And then it was just like getting dropped off on a regular basis and trying to like read the magazines and just like watch surfers surfing. and yeah. all that stuff. Going to the beach and just watching people and all that stuff. No movie. I mean, there, you know, there's no video. There's no. It's not on TV. There's like no you YouTube. Said, you got pictures. Yeah, like, there's yeah, pictures. That's it. that's it. And the movies that were out would only come around every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to the movies they would tour on, the, the in, theaters in Hermosa. Yeah, we'd be yeah. there and then gone the next yeah. like, you know, few weeks later. Exactly. You know, when, when you're a kid and you're like, how do I get better at this? You know? Yeah. yeah. How, what do we do? How do we get better at this? Well, and now, you, I mean, it's like kids have everything kids available have everything to them. At, at their leisure. They got coaches. They got, you know, oh, yeah. video. They, they got, got YouTube. They got they YouTube. Got. And it's like, how to bottom turn. And there's but eight videos. We're talking. Slow-mo and different techniques. We're right. talking the 70s. They got the WSL. They got all these things, so, you know. So you guys started going frequently. Started going frequently. And, starting and stuck the, with it. the ropes. Oh, it, I think it took, <clears throat> I think it took at least eight months to a year to learn the ropes because the thing is it's like we didn't even have the foundational knowledge of what to do you know it's like we had trouble how long did it take to fucking master duck diving oh was duck diving even like well it's like boards too oh (laughs) we had big boards thick boards and you know you'd look at other people and go gosh it's like what are they doing and then it's like you know it's like I'm like okay do I sit on my board like this with the legs out and just point the nose down you know, and it's like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah, it just detonated. Yeah, it just goes right out the back. Now, were you guys starting to go to like ET more often and checking out other shops? Like, you're like, not really. We weren't into that whole like Grom culture yet. Our yeah. whole thing was just like magazines and get dropped beach. off on the get weekend. dropped off at the beach every chance we could get. But after that first day, that day after going to school, did you? Were you guys like, we're fucking surfers? You know, I, I think I don't. I don't know if we said we were surfers, but we definitely were talking about surfing. You yeah. know, it's like we were just like, remember that oh, one wave in the white water? Yeah, and, you know, like I we mean, were. We were so... at that point. We were kooks on land, yeah, as opposed to kooks in the water, just but like talking stuff you, up. You're a surfer now, right? Yeah, like yeah. you felt like okay. You... I felt that we had some connection building. I didn't feel like a surfer yet because yeah. I think, you know. I'll tell you exactly when I felt like a surfer. 
because once again, my memory's horrible, but I do remember catching my first wave at Avenue A. It was a beautiful, sunny day, cold morning and all that stuff, and practice of paddling and catching waves and all that stuff and standing up. And it's like, I caught my wave and I angled and I couldn't believe what was going on. That was the moment that I felt like a whole surfer. N- yeah. Whole nother feeling of like, uh, you know going totally. straight white water versus like on an open face. Totally. Like, did you guys skateboard at all? Or yeah, no, how, did we know, didn't. how did you know stance? Did you try both ways? Goofy, regular? Like you know, we, I think we just talked about it a yeah. little bit here and whatever's there. Whatever's comfortable. And, yeah, like, whatever's comfortable. I think for us it was really just like even just trying to get up, and it's yeah. like I think your body kind of has this natural. For sure. Feeling of like which foot goes where. Without even thinking about it. Yeah. And I, I remember, you know, not to talk too much about myself, but I remember. Yeah, don't. Shut up. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I was a skateboarder, avid skateboarder, uh-huh. like Lakewood Skate Park and all that. Um, but I remember trying surfing and just failing. And like, you know, Seal Beach River Jetty, I was like, fuck, this yeah. sucks. This is hard. Yeah. I can't surf. I can't believe I don't know how to surf. Right, because I was already boogie boarding and knew how to boogie board. Good on a skateboard and good on a skateboard. I'm like, dang, dude, why am I not able to surf? But I kept uh, skateboarding. I got better at skateboarding, and then finally, my sister took me and three friends, and I had a purple lightning bolt single fin, and I don't know whose board it was, but I rode this board, and the waves were like perfect for learning at Bolsa. And I remember the very first wave where I paddled, dropped in before it broke and rode it sideways, you know, glided yeah. down, the, down the line and pumped down the line. I'm like, holy shit. Right? Holy shit. Did you guys fucking see that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah it's it's a feeling that, you oh, know, God. You don't feel, yeah, it's insane. It's walking on water. It's gliding. Yeah. And. You don't forget that first wave. It's no. like your first kiss. And I remember yeah, for going, sure. you know, like catching a bunch of waves that day and that was it. Like, yeah. But I remember like that first wave and then I remember like a couple bobbles in between. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I, I know I can do this. And then finally oh, figuring yeah. it out and then, you know. It's hard. <clears throat> yeah. Surfing so hard. Surfing is so hard and I think it, it, it psychs people out more the older you get because you're you know, awake yeah. to everything, you yeah. know, you start overthinking and overstressing. When you're a kid, you're just like freeze tag, donuts, burgers, <laughs> hot dogs, and surfing. Well, you know, it's easy. The thing yeah. about surfing is you use muscles you don't know how to use totally. in surfing. Yeah. The, the apparatus, like we were saying earlier, sitting on a board, yeah. it takes like oh, yeah. core, a little bit. Core strength yeah. and just little subtle like twitches and yeah, muscles totally. without even thinking about it to, to compensate the water it's like the coordination yeah. of of paddling, paddling you can't yeah. teach it you, you know it's all feeling you, yeah. you gotta yeah. like experience it and learn it and master the paddle like yeah. that's fucking that's hard well not it's not only that but you know everything you guys just said is spot on but i think the x factor is that you are trying to hop on a wild bucking bronco <laughs> true okay yeah. that's that's always different yeah you know and it's like where am i is this wave going to break how is it going to break yeah. all that stuff i mean that adds a whole different layer of feeling am i in the right place location yeah. and all that stuff let alone like Gosh, just trying to balance on your board and yeah. paddle in the right way and duck dive. Well, yeah, if you want to learn how to surf, you got to catch waves. 
right? So you yep. have to get out to catch waves. Yeah. And then, you know, you have to like learn how to, you know, stand up and ride the waves. Then you have to learn, you know, like you hit all these milestones, you know, yeah. gliding down the line, yeah. doing a turn, doing a top turn. That You got all these things that are so memorable. Then you become older and it's kind of like, well, I've done it all. So it's really hard to kind of get that same feeling, that yeah. same like yeah. exhilaration, even though you, you do, you're just kind of more jaded or it's just har- harder to get to that next level. Totally. Surfing totally. so hard to get like really good. Oh, dude. so hard. And if you like, even now, where I consider myself to be a pretty decent surfer, you rip. But like, if I miss a week, it's like starting over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, you I've know? been out of the water for a while because I'm of no Jay Larson. Injury, I'm no late night, and I feel like I'm like cooking it out again too. You know, yeah. because it's just so hard with this shoulder injury and how much it kept me out yeah. and. The fatigue in the muscles of like, you know, all that, like I'm doing like, you know, burpees just to kind of like stay in semi-organized shape. But every once in a while, like you said, you're out a week, your, your body is tore up after a two hour session. Oh yeah. You're like, I just, what happened? So, so, okay. After that day, you guys are fucking surfers. You're trying to, we're hooked. We're hooked. We're stoked. We're hooked. We're stoked. And we're like surfing as much as we can all the time. And we're pissing off our parents, you know, for the multiple trips to and from the beach. And are you starting to like, you know, and I don't want to, um, I just think it's funny because it's a culture, yeah, right? Are yeah. you starting to dive into the culture, the speak? The, oh yeah, yeah. The, the slang, yeah, the slang you know I mean? and all that like, stuff. Oh yeah, that's for important. Sure. Well, yeah, you're, when like you're a you surfer, said, you become a surfer. Yeah, like, like you said, it was cutting out pictures and doodling <laughs> yeah. and everything and wearing the gear. I mean, yeah, you are 100 percent in. Oh yeah, you're 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 picking up on the lingo, dude. Yeah. Yeah, Dude. gnarly, Dude. radical, yeah, stoked, you know, cool. yeah, all that stuff. I mean, Barney's bar- not even arrived yet, though. I don't think. I think Barney was there, and so maybe like the older guys. I didn't hear about it for years yeah. later, but like, you Hodad know, was a big word. Oh, I never then. heard about Hodad. No, no, Hodad might have been pre me well, or something. Len- Lennon's like. Seven's really, he's really oh, old. That's why you recall that hoedad. Okay, I was gonna say, you know, it's like I don't remember that. Well, you never heard the hoedad. I've heard of it, but not in my generation. See, there we go. It's, I've never. I don't think we're gonna cut that part out. <laughs> you, just, uh, you just aged yourself, know, right? <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, you guys are getting into it. We're stoked. You're starting to dress. Oh yeah, hard. we're 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 dressing it. You know the, the, the skimpy shorts, op. You know, Jimmy Z. yeah, you know, Vans, checkerboard shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sex wax t-shirts. I remember wearing a sex wax t-shirt to school, and the teachers made me turn it inside out because it had the word <laughs> sex on it. You know, they were like, "What is that? That just sounds like something that's perverse." Yeah, and it's like it's just surf wax. Well, turn it inside out or leave. Yeah. You know, and it's like. That's, was your hair getting long? Um, I don't know. I always had crappy hair, so I think it was just like, you know, whatever I woke up with. I mean, bedhead. Nobody was like doing their hair up or anything. Yeah. It was just My like, hair, I mean, back then surfers wore their hair. Well, they surfers longer, would right? do that sun in, oh, you know, where it's like they'd spray that stuff in their hair and then go surf and they'd have these like blonde streaks and everything to make themselves look like a Coops. surfer, but yeah, exactly, exactly. But like, AKA I can be hoedad. <laughs> hey, I'm bringing that word back, all right? Dude, uh, you got to yeah. call uh, your kids that. Uh, that's a good one. 
But you know, it's like it, it, it's you know you're you're trying to emulate what you see in the magazines yeah. and the surfers and all the heroes that are in there, and then you go into the surf shop and you see what the guys behind the counter are wearing, and then you see what the other kids who surf what they wear too. So you're kind of just you know trying to fix your you know your style based on yeah. what's around you and everything. And so are you becoming more cool and not? dorks no no that that <laughs> surfing did not cure that one bit whatsoever was there, was there a few surfers at your school besides your little clan your little group in elementary school it was just us yeah in high school um there were more and the good thing there was that like we kept surfing and you know the good thing about high school is that it's like there's more kids that come in and the good thing that happens is like you can spot a surfer so all of a sudden, it's like, that kid surfs. Let's yeah. go hang out with him. That kid surfs. Let's hang out with him. So all of a sudden, everybody that surfed, yeah. you knew, your clique. Yeah. There's you the know. punkers. There's the freaking goth. There's the this. There's, there's, the, there's the Hessians. Yeah, there's the you know, There's a surfer. There's, there's a surfer. surfer. Exactly. And that's, you know, at that, so at that you point, you, yeah, you stay in your tribe. lane. Your tribe. Yeah, your tribe. Your lane. You know, it's like, oh, surfers. Okay, don't hang out with those guys. You know, it's like, that's not our tribe. Do you do any other sports? I tried a couple other things, but I sucked. Yeah. You know, I tried soccer. I didn't have the wherewithal to sweat and yeah. huff and puff. And baseball was slow and boring yeah. for me. And, you know, football, I was just like a pansy. I was just like, ooh, getting hurt? No. <laughs> you know, I don't want to get tackled. Yeah. So surfing was my thing. I just really loved it. And it's like, it just seemed like every day i just got so much more and more infatuated with it i just yeah. loved it there was something about being in the water and i remember sophomore year was like when i hit gold because sophomore year we had friends who surfed that were older as well and we could uh join surf class at torrance high oh wow nice. okay so if you could ha if you could link up with somebody that had a car that could drive you to class you could get involved in surf class. Nice. Okay, so like we're like begging these guys, you know, it's like, can we like surf with you guys? Will you take us? And they yeah. lived in our neighborhood and they're like, yeah, no worries, just give me a couple bucks yeah. for yeah. gas. Yeah, you know, and we're like, okay, cool. So we got into surf class and man, it's like, <clears throat> that's when everything took off. It wasn't a team or anything, it's just you met down at Hermosa Pier, you know, two, three times a week, zero period, you surfed for a couple hours. Yeah. And that was it. And you went back, you know, you went to class with like salt water running out your nose, your hair's yes. wet and everything. And it's like, we just felt so lucky walking in, you know, wet. Yeah. You know, and at times it's, it's a like, badge of honor. Oh, for sure. Back yeah. then it was the best thing ever. But what's interesting is like you, you that's what you're thinking. Like, oh, salt, I'm, I'm cool, you know, whatever. But getting up early, getting that energy out, doing something like the, the mindset and then the conditioning and everything that you're doing yeah. early before you can get to school. I mean, there's some other sports that maybe practice early, you know, but not like, surfing. not like that. No, that you know surfing I mean? was it with surfing was a commitment. There was yeah. a lot going on to get down to the beach yeah. and you know, you had about an hour to surf. You know, and then you had to like get get dressed hustle and you know, hustle back and everything and did, get. Did breakfast. you guys ride bikes to the beach too? No, we were too far. Uh -huh. We were too far for that. Um, I mean, we could have if we were like hardcore. Yeah. But we just relied on our friends. It's kind of hilly too, right? Yeah, so yeah. You had a couple big hills to go up and down and everything. Yeah. But uh, it was fun. I mean, high yeah. school was incredible, and you know, how did you do in high school? Were you a bright student? No, I was a dummy. 
Really? I swear I was a dummy. I had I I got terrible grades. I was I was Jeff Spicoli in a dark suit. You know, it's like I just <laughs> were your did not parents care. pretty bummed on that? Oh yeah, super bummed, super bummed. They you tried know? take away surfing from you? Uh, they tried, but they knew they couldn't. <laughs> you know, it's like I'd figure out a way to sneak out or you know get around it. Yeah, because I mean, parents of ethnicity sometimes are way more. Uh, intense about oh, yeah. stuff like that oh yeah no yeah. absolutely junior's got, like, junior's got six missing assignments and <laughs> we're we're cracking down yeah now yeah. it's like electronics like you know like yeah. there was few things they could take back then yeah. now it's like yeah okay no yeah. no 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 phone no ipad no you know you start taking it's yeah back then it was like okay no vhs tape you know <laughs> yeah. it's like okay whatever. yeah whatever <laughs> but it was different, you know. It was fun. Those were the golden years. I really learned a lot about just you know, were you guys starting to get in the car and tra- travel. Yes, totally. Spots? We were totally like starting to venture out. Yeah. So it's like you know, um, you know, we'd go as far as like Manhattan Beach, um, and it was just kind of interesting discovering the different like streets and everything, and yeah. meeting surfers from different areas. And then um, you know, we went to Cabrillo. A couple times and we're like oh these guys are dicks you know it's like we're not surfing here they were pretty hardcore yeah cabrillo so we decided that that wasn't our place to go and then huntington was rad rolling up uh you know by cliffs. golden west the cliffs where it's like dirt roads with yeah. the oil you know piers and everything like that so that was interesting and then it's crazy to go- see like the different waves when you like watch a wave yeah yeah and how like you know for me, it was the stepping stone was Seal Beach, yeah, Jetty, yeah. Crabs, and all that, and then you know Southside, you know Seal, yeah, yeah, and then you know to Bolsa. to Bolsa, and yeah. then to Huntington, and the better the waves got, you know, as yeah. as you went to different spots, you know, Huntington. Yeah, you like, couldn't just go tackle the pier because one, it breaks farther out, way more energy. The crowd localism yeah, was gnarly. Yeah. It's crowded. You yeah. know, it's like. Don't put yourself in that position, you know? Yeah. yeah, but you know one thing that I remember from that time, which another thing that got me really excited was this sense of adventure. The road trip was oh, yeah. so rad. And like, you know, just, you know, planning it out with our friends during the week. Like, where are we going to go surf yeah. this weekend? And it's like, oh, we're going to go down to Huntington and getting yeah. down there and just like, gosh, it's like getting down there and getting food and surfing and yeah. just having a different experience. And, and you're not thinking about how good the waves are. It didn't fucking matter. Well, the, not only you know? that, but you yeah. didn't even know what the waves were going to be like because yeah. there's no surf line. There's you no know? Surf it's line. like, you're just like, hey, we, we, we got the, 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 uh, the map book, whatever that was. And it's like, okay, we got to go down this road and this road and that road. And yeah. we'll, we'll, we're there. Yeah. You know, you had to open up a paper map, yeah. you know, and... You had to find your place and guess where you were going to go surf, and it was all hearsay. Like, oh, I heard this place is good, yeah. you know. And yeah, no forecast, no surf line, no like. It's all hearsay. But it's all hearsay. But totally. the excitement of like an it's a surf trip, the it's adventure. Yeah. It's an adventure, and you know, I'll, I'll t- you know, I remember one adventure, and it's funny because like this guy's still a good friend of mine, and he's a very accomplished entrepreneur, you know. But he's my oldest friend that I've been surfing with since like early high school that's crazy okay and it's so rad to see you know how we met and the trips that we took but also how successful he is now with what he does but you know it's like you know he had an old beat up vw bug okay and he's like hey let's go to this place called 
trails. You know, it's down by trestles and San Onofre. San Onofre and everything. And we're like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but let's go. So yeah. we got up super early, loaded up his car, got down there, and you know, we hit the trails and everything, and we're just like. Walking Trail on the sixers, naked ladies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we were just like naked chicks. Who cares? There's waves. You know, we weren't even thinking about chicks. You yeah. know, it's like we were just like surfing was it, and it was so incredible. But that guy, his name's Bill Bryant. He's a good friend of mine. But he started this company called Biltwell. Um, you know, it's like it's a motorcycle helmet company. Yeah. Super successful, okay. full motorcycle. But it's like. You know, I see him all the time, you know, and he's like, he's one of my longest known friends. How funny. You know, but it's like, he's in this other world and we yeah. talk about those surf trips and those surf days. We took one of our first surf trips together to uh, Natividad, nice. you know, so it's just, it's rad those, that I have those memories from yeah. back then. Yeah. Dude, traveling, so how is, I mean, that's what surfing does. It gets you out of your bubble. Gets totally. you like, you know, even whether it's up and down the California coast or some yeah. other country, it's like, yeah. I'm going because of surfing. Totally. You know, like, and, yeah. you know, and then, and then, you know, the result of that is you get infused with the culture and the people and the, and the experience and stuff. And that's all great too, but you're there for to catch waves. Yeah. yeah. Warm water, preferably. But so, yeah. totally. <laughs> so what was your first surf trip? Uh, my first surf trip was Natividad. Wow. Yeah. Hopping on a plane, a, you know, just a puddle jumper and circling the island. And there was a plane that had crashed a week before. Oh my God. And you know, they're circling it and the winds are howling. Were you in high school at this time or? Um, this was, no, this was um, right after I graduated from college. So I had H2O surf shop. Already? Already. Okay. Like it was like a first year or two into my surf shop. Okay. And you know, I hadn't thought about a surf trip up until then. Everything was really local, like, you know, Santa Barbara to San Diego and yeah. Mexico. Like, Mex trips were like, awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 like Baja. Yes. Baja, Baja, Ensenada, yeah. Rosarita, shipwrecks yeah. and all that stuff. So, so you weren't that good in high school, but you forced your way into college. And I still sucked and I was still a dummy. <laughs> you know, I, it's like I went to Point Loma Nazarene University because it was That's right. a great school, right? It's a great school, yeah. right on the water. And all I wanted to do was surf. Yeah. You know, and I got terrible grades because I just wanted to surf and I barely graduated. They were like, get this fucker out of here. <laughs> you know, what were you going to school for? What were your, well, what was your major? Uh, business writing. It was the easiest major on the list that I could get. Which one has the fewest classes without like having to get into calculus or algebra or anything difficult? And I'm like, business writing, done. Because writing, you know, you could kind of you know get by yeah. I've you never know? heard like, of business writing but like business writing math is yeah. it's right or wrong yeah you know other subjects yeah. like history like you either know the answer or not writing yeah. you, you know it's kind writing of writing is subjective very yeah right? very subjective so, so what is business writing <laughs> you, you know it, it's funny because back then I didn't it. know <laughs> I didn't know and then it, I didn't value it until afterwards but really what it helped me to do was tell stories using numbers hmm. okay so presentations wow. when i'm doing a presentation and a sponsorship deck that's where business writing came in yeah you know it's like wow. how do i so, tell the story of this idea that i want to make sell? numbers sound yeah awesome and look yeah. awesome and, and exactly and just not a emotionally attached emotionally to, attached yeah. using the right words so interesting yeah you're that's fascinating dad your parents were were they still in the hotel game 
No, they'd sold everything by the time. Well, my dad died when I was in high school, so oh. he had a heart attack, so he went away, and there was that absence in my life, so it was just my mom and my brother and I. And, you know, by the time uh, high school came around, my parents had sold everything off and everything, so they were like, we're out of the business and everything. They were pretty much on their way to retirement and everything, and the whole family had been set up and everything, so it was really just like, okay, here's what you know we're gonna do yeah so what what were you thinking in high school that college were you gonna grow up and, and be like what had work, no idea for career nothing? no clue no clue whatsoever <clears throat> you know back then it's like you know what was your first job sorry to interrupt. my first job very first job yeah, yeah. slinging chick-fil-a <laughs> chick-fil-a 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 they were around back then yeah, yeah. one of the one of the first stores um, out here on the West Coast was in Torrance at the Del Amo Mall. Shut the front door. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea there that. Yeah, I yeah. never heard of Chick-fil-A until like I was in Florida. Yeah. No, Chick-fil-A was around in Torrance. They had one in Torrance, Cerritos, and one other location wow. back then. And very early days. But my neighbor worked for Chick-fil-A. And he and I would hang out and Gotta um, get you a job, man. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, he's like, hey, do you want a job? We're hiring, and I'm like, sure. What are you and like, 16, 17? I think I was 15. <laughs> I was 15, and they were like, hey, we need people to come work for us. You want to come do part time? And I was like, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, wear a uniform. Yeah, you had to wear a uniform and everything, and you working know, at the mall. Working at the mall, <laughs> dude. And that's where the kids hung out. That's right? where the kids hung out. Pacific Sunwear, you know, Fins and Flipper, you know, just all these random places. Yeah. Where you got stuff, but Pac Sun was around back then. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's like they knew I was the surfer. You know, it's like oh, by plate. You know. Did you guys hang out at the malls? Your your group? No. <laughs> no. But that was a thing for, oh, for, for my generation. Yeah. yeah, for my generation, hanging out at the mall, cruising for chicks. Yeah. That's where everything was. It was like shopping, yeah. movies, yeah. Uh, the arcade. Yeah. You know? Just like Fast Times at Ridgemont Hunt. Exactly. That yeah. was it. That was it. And the second place you hung out was 7-Eleven because they had yeah. pinball machines. And Galaga and Asteroid, you know? It's Shakey's like, Pizzas. Shakey's, yeah. Licorice Pizza. Yeah. That's where you got your music. Yeah. You know? It's like... There, so that was your first job. That's crazy. First job, Chick-fil-A. Okay. Uh, and it was fantastic, you know? And I look back and go, that was when I was 15. And to look at that organization and everything and how they valued people in the sense that they treated us really, really well, yeah. you know, and, you know, I, I think at that time it wasn't cool to do that, but like they were closed on Sundays and I was just like, yeah. cool, closed on yeah, Sundays. I get to surf. Christian, yeah, full Christian right. operation yeah. and everything. And my friends were working at other places and they're like, why do you get Sunday off? <laughs> and I'm like, I get to surf on Sunday. So I think I, I look at that and, you know, go, look, great I don't know. Right great value. You yeah. know, it's like, I don't, I don't agree with everything that they're about, but I yeah. think they really take care of their people really, yeah. really yeah. well. And I, I learned from that of like how I would treat people yeah. that work for me. Yeah. You know, so I really valued that. I learned a lot from them. So you, you graduated and you bought a surf shop pretty quick like how did that happen what, yeah. you, you said you didn't yeah, know college what, right you didn't yeah. know what you were going to do I didn't know what I was going to do I worked at surf shops I worked at South Coast Surf Shop down, down while you are in college yep in yeah. Point Loma because wow. uh, they were down in OB and uh, Julie Designs do you guys know Julie yeah. yeah yeah so Julie I would hang out with her and harass her HSS yeah the yeah, board the, bags the and cloth. yeah yeah uh, what is it socks socks yeah yeah surf socks surf socks yeah surf socks yeah, so Stick her socks. store was right down the street from 
uh, South Coast and after surfing, I'd go in there and just like, hey, Julie, how are you? What's going on? And she'd be like, Vibe, you need to stop coming in here. It's like, you need a job. And I'm like, I'm surfing and going to school. And she goes, I don't care. You need a job. Stop coming in here. And she walked me over to South Coast. She goes, Rob, Vipe needs a job. Put him to work. And Rob hired me. Nice. On the spot, you know. And it's like, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm working at a surf shop. And, you know, I'm now the coop behind the counter. Yeah. You know, and just rad working with guys. And Julie Designs got you the job at South Coast. South Surf Coast. Shop. Yep, exactly. Which one was it? The one in one in OB. Emerald? Okay. OB. Yeah. OB. Yeah. yeah. Is this same. the same location? Is same it location. Now? It's always okay. been. Yep. Same and location. Heather and yep. Steve. Heather. Steve wasn't there. Okay. It was Heather and ET. Okay. Those were those were the two guys or two folks that I got to work with. So it's rad to now see them in oh, ownership. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that Rob handed it off them, but I loved working with like Heather and E.T. and the whole crew there. There were Larry Ritchie, their old shaper and everything. Yeah. God rest his soul. So what? Uh, what is this the early 80s? This is... Um, Mid 80s? No, no, no. This is... This is late 80s, mid late to 80s. late 80s. Because I graduated in 85 and then I went to Point Loma and um, surfed recklessly, <laughs> nonstop, you know... Ricky Irons, Tony Perez, Tucker Hall, Dan Kennedy. You're, you're bros with all these guys. I'm bros, all the, bros with all these guys. Were they guys. going to school there too? Yeah, or? yeah. They How were all funny. going to school with us. You know, Tucker was one of my roommates. Tony was a roommate of mine. You're kidding me. Yeah, yeah. Such yeah. a small world. Huh? Such a small world. What? And you guys are just young groms going to college surfing and then, yeah. and then look at life as it unravels. Exactly. R- Ricky Irons, you said? Yeah, Ricky Irons. Wow. Yeah, okay. Ricky. So we graduated and, you know, Ricky and Tony went to the magazines and Tucker and Wooly started Volcom. Yeah. Okay. But not for and, a long time though, right? Uh, that had been, I think, about a year or two after graduation. You're kidding me. Yeah, about a year or two after graduation. Those guys got in really quick because... You know, Ricky obviously had the name, yeah. you yeah. know, so that was easy. And Tony had made a name for himself with surfing in like the college contest and everything. So Willie was at Quicksilver for. Willie was yeah, at Quick, yeah. and Tucker was at Quick for a while yeah, too, and that's yeah. where they became Willie friends. Didn't Willie was Pepperdine, right? Yeah, Willie was You're Pepperdine. Talking, t- Tucker, Tucker Hall. Mm. Yeah, Tucker. 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 Department, yeah. So, um, you know, we we all kind of got out, and I was just like work, you know, hanging out at home and surfing and trying to figure out like. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I got. I'm out of college. It's so like, what's, can I, what's can going I go on? back and, yeah. and talk about South Coast? What back then surfing? I'm trying to think of that time. It was pretty popular. Oh right? my gosh, it was blowing yeah. up. In it the was 80s. booming. PSAA yeah was on fuego. Yeah, so Tom Kern was the poster child of yeah. America. So that the the shop was pretty popular and. Busy, totally, right? totally. So I mean, we had all the goods, and, and they had all the brands. They had all the right Quick brands. Silver, Billabong, yep. Gotcha. Yep. And so Life's you were like, Beach, Bad Boy Club. I mean, you know, all and the. You goodies. would work the floor. I worked the floor, and you'd see, like, whoa, this is a business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, That's really when I fell in love with the business of the industry. Yeah. Because prior to that, it was just surfing. See how important this question is, Lauren. And see, for me, it's like, <laughs> if you weren't part of this conversation, I don't know where, where would we be here now? We'd probably be talking about barrels and big waves, something you don't need. Uh, uh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, because I, I can imagine South Coast, you know, was a, was a big 
popular it, store. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it was shop. one of the players for sure. Yeah. And Rob ran a good business. The crew there was incredible. The location of it. And How everything. long did you work there for? I think I worked there for maybe like two years, maybe wow. three years. So you got a good like experience. I got a good schooling. Yeah. I met reps. You know, but the reps were like, they could see that I was a kook. So they were just like, oh, fuck this kook, you know. It's yeah. like, I remember the only guy that really was cool to me, okay? And it's funny because he's, he's, he's one of my favorite guys in the industry, Greg Ostis. Gio. Gio oh, was the only cool rep that came in and was cool to me. Yeah. Okay, I've heard that time. a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's tough because back then it was the breeding ground for like the really good surfer pro. Yeah. They've got the jobs and then, you know, they didn't give two shits since about anybody, you know? They're just like. Who's the managers and it was the pro surfers? Yeah. Yeah. Who are these guys? Yeah. Yeah, It's like we we were peons, you know? It's like, don't you have like the trash to take out or the bathrooms to clean? Isn't that weird, huh? Yeah. It was kind of like that. But But Gio was cool, man. He was like, hey, man, what's your story? And I'm like, oh, I'm Well, he came from HSS and worked the store. He got it. So. He got it. Yeah. He knows what it felt like to be overlooked. Yeah. 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 He, He was super fun and just really friendly and everything. And. You know, it came time to graduate and, you know, it's like uh, I got to see a lot of things from the business side and, you know, I'm like looking around trying to find a gig and trying to like, you know, gosh. So with, get... with your degree, mm-hmm. what were you thinking you were going to do? You didn't know. I had no idea. No idea. I was just, I, I had no idea. four years? Yeah. Yeah. Four and so a half you... years. Four and a half years. I took... Uh, so you surfed everywhere and anywhere you could oh yeah Yeah. as much as i could down in san diego i took advantage of it all the time oh and the other guy that we went to school with that is responsible tom kozad i blame you for everything motherfucker the the photographer tom kozad yeah tom kozad the photographer tom went to school with us and man he and his wife now susan who back then was his girlfriend were like our den mom and dads like taking care of us and everything and they got us surfing even more and took us on trips south of the border and everything we had chaperones yeah full chaperones they were just a little bit older but they were much more together than the rest of us were and man so many fun trips with tom and susan and you know um yeah so you know it's like we graduated and like you come I back don't know, up north? Come back up north, went back to Torrance to live yeah. with my mom. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do and everything. And, um, you know, sending resumes into Quicksilver and Billabong and all these companies. And nobody's getting so back. So you wanted to, to get into I the I wanted industry. to get into the yeah. surf industry. I was just like, gosh, it's like, why not get into the surf industry? I had no idea what I was going to do. It was just like, I just needed a job. I guess that's what... Yeah, society yeah. Like, is I'll, telling me. I'll, I'll start at the bottom in any of these companies because totally. this is what I want to do. Exactly. And you're connected to some of the guys that were connected to the industry. Yeah, like, but they, they weren't connected. They're all young. They're all young. Like yeah. those guys had no they weight, had no power. Either. Yeah, <laughs> those guys were pretty much just like, you know, the dirt on the shoe. You know, it's like Tony and Ricky were like just peons at the magazines and Tucker was like, you know, random dude at Quick, you know, yeah. low level guy. He wasn't even part of the Quack an above crew. Right. You know, it was like really interns, low level. pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Paid interns, you yeah. know. So for me, I was just trying to get in any way I could. And, and were you living in Torrance? I was living in Torrance. Okay. And then uh, Tom Kozak calls me up and he's like, hey, uh, Paul Burke is selling his surf shop. You worked at a surf shop. Why don't we buy it? 
And I was like, wow. so Kozad, Kozad's the one. Tom Kozad is responsible for everything for bringing the concept of buying yeah. the shop. Yep. Tom. So he was a was he he was a photographer, right? No, or back then he had just graduated. He was he, he, he was going he, into anesthesiology, so oh, he wow. was going into nursing and all that stuff. So he was still surfing, but he was like, you know, Smart I'm going to get a job and yeah. I'm going to make a lot of money and yeah. I'm going to work my butt off. It's I got I'm going to have a family, so. The photography thing came up later as a hobby, but anesthesiology was his thing. Wow. You know, so he went to school and... And, and he did, heard a shop was for sale. Yep, because he was buying boards from Paul Burke. Mm. And he went in there and Paul was like, I got to get rid of my shop and I need out and all that. And Tom was like, well, if I like, worked at a surf shop and maybe he's looking for something, maybe we can put our money together and buy this thing. So... Tom and I met with Paul, and we looked at it, and... And this know, was in Sunset Beach? Sunset Beach, upstairs. Yeah. It was an upstairs location. Once again, bad retail location, but we didn't know shit. Yeah. You know, we're just like, surf shop, really? I, I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. Where, where was the... It was um, north... Um, I can't even remember this street. It was almost like at the very south end of Peter's Landing. If it was almost across the street. You know where the gas station is right now? Yeah. Bricks. Right next brick. to the crack. Yeah. Brick. brick the place Brick. Bracks. Oh, Bricks. Yeah. Bricks. On the other side of it. So there's Bricks and then there's the gas station. Oh, and right next side. to the gas station, north. there's a, uh, if you see it, there's a uh, big billboard sign right there. We were in that building right okay, there. Gosh. But before that, it was south of there. Or, I'm sorry, north of there where the other big billboard was on the second floor. Um, but we went in there and we started talking to Paul and Paul threw out some numbers and everything. And Tom was like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I couldn't, I, I sucked at math, Tom. I have no idea what, what he's talking about. I can just make numbers pretty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even then, it's like I had no way of doing that. And then it was just a number of like... How old were you? Uh, I was like 21, 22. Okay. And he said, "Hey, this is what the business does a year. Here's what our overhead is. Here's what kind of what stock we have. Was it yeah. full clothing or mostly boards and hard uh, goods? Clothing and boards. Yeah. yeah, mostly his. All of his boards and clothing was random stuff. I think the biggest brand we had was Rip Curl mm. at that time. And yeah, because then, then territorial oh, full distribution territory. was pretty yeah. tight for sure. Yeah, there was he, a lot of localism in the shop <clears throat> world too. Yeah. You know, it's like there were guys who were like." No fucking way can yeah. you sell to Vibe. Yeah. There's a 10, 10 mile radius. Oh, of, yeah. yeah. And the guys were like not quiet about it at all. They yeah. made everybody known. But, so you, you know, struck a deal. So we struck a deal. I don't know why we struck that deal, but it came down to where it's like, you know. How much was it? I can't even remember, but I want to say it was maybe like 25 grand. Okay, and part of it was that Paul needed out. Yeah. Okay, and... He was still going to shape, though, right? He was still going to shape. Okay. Um, but he wanted out, and rightfully so. I knew Paul Paul had some personal things going on, and, you know, he had a special needs kid who needed health insurance. So his whole thing is like, hey, I got to get a job that gets health insurance, mm -hmm. and I can shape on the side. And it's like, dude, go do your thing, man. Yeah. It's like, you got to look out for family first. So, yeah. you know, and... and it, you know, he had, he was asking for more money, but then it was just like, hey man, we don't have that kind of money. And he's like, well, what do you have? And it's like, we were like, we can scrape together like 24, 25 grand. And he's like, done, you know? And we bought, Tom and I bought a shit show, you know? Yeah. It was just messed up. That's, that's a big chunk of change. That's a big chunk of change, yeah. exactly. Especially, Especially then. in that, back, yeah. back then. And we had like crap inventory. Yeah. 
We were second floor. Did you have to take out a loan or? No, we pretty much uh, begged, borrowed, and sold whatever we could to like just piece it together. And Tom was like, I want to be a silent partner. I'm not going to tell you what to yeah. do. Did you go want... 50-50 or? Um, it was, no, it wasn't 50-50. I can't remember what the percentage was, but Tom knew that it's like, one, I was putting in more money and I was going to be running and working it. Yeah. So his whole thing is like, for him, he was just like, I just want to say that I'm part owner of a surf shop. It didn't yeah. matter the percentage. He wanted discounts and deals and yeah. all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, Tom, whatever you want, dude. I'll yeah. He was such a good friend and yeah. partner and everything. And it was his I, idea. It was his idea. Yeah. And man, it's like just always a good guy. I mean, it was it was really like a friendship and mentor. The guy never you know, harassed or heckled me in the business, you know, and he That's probably awesome. had, he probably had every reason to the way I ran it, but he was just like, Hey, it's Vibes deal. I'm just yeah. going for the ride, but good so, guy. Great guy. Bill That's Keller awesome. wasn't there already. Was Bill he? Keller was there. Okay. He was running some of the surf team, team stuff. BK. Yep. Exactly. Team BK. Oh gee. It turned out to be one of my best friends and everything. Loved meeting him and, uh, you know, just started getting into, learning the ropes of everything and um, I'll tell you one of the coolest things that happened is like I went around to like meet some of the surf shops in the area and just go hey my name's Vibe I'm new I just bought Paul's shop and it's like uh, you know just wanted to say hi and in my mind I wasn't thinking competition yeah you know so it's like you know Robert at Harbor you know was like dude, welcome to the neighborhood. You need help with anything, let us know. Nice. You know, and I'm like, thank you so much. Robert Housen. Yeah. Rad dude. Yeah. Rad dude. In flight? Yeah. Fuck you. We don't need another <laughs> surf shop in the area. Just dicks. Yeah. I go to Glenn at Caton, and he's like, welcome to the neighborhood. Happy to have you. Let's go grab lunch. You know, nice. turn into a friend and mentors. Yeah. To this day, both he and Robert are like good friends of mine. Just yeah. Took me under their wing. Um, Benny over at Bruce Jones. Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. You know, stoked to have you and all that stuff. We're Great. talking Benny Bigler. Benny Bigler. Yeah. Benny yeah. Bigler, another one of the legends. Yeah. You know, the guys at Jack's. Hey, how are you? You know, great to have you and all that stuff. You know, super cool. You know, let us know if you need anything. All right, awesome. HSS, fuck you. Get out of here. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, that's okay though. Look, that I'm wasn't not, me. Yeah, no, 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 I think that was when Linda was running the shop. Yeah. And that's okay. Look, I mean, it's like, I understand that was part of the territory. I had to earn my spot. You know, it wasn't going to be given to me. No, and I don't sure. mind that at all. You know, it's totally fine. Yeah. I looked at that. It was hard to get brands. Totally. Totally. I mean, it was hard to get brands. And you, you had, you had Jax and HSS, like, battling. pretty much, you know, battling, yeah. controlling the the distribution totally yeah. totally but the jacks guys were cool hss guys weren't which is fine you know and then uh i went down and saw duke and he was super cool too he was like hey man you need anything from us just let us know yeah. and you know so it was rad to kind of like get a lay of the land and like duke's a good friend glenn's a good friend robert's a good friend yeah. and all that stuff and i i stay in touch with them regularly but they really helped me a lot because you know, even though I graduated, had a degree, and I surfed, I had no business owning a surf shop. Yeah. Because that's a whole different set of rules and all that but stuff. But you know what? That's how most of them started off, too. You know, just totally. in, a, in a previous, you know, like, you know, scenario. Like, yeah. I mean. But owning and running your own business is like, 
is such a... I'm 22, mind you. Yeah. Okay? I, 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 I can barely like, wipe my butt. Yeah. Okay? You know? So it's like... Because the responsibility yes. is squarely on your shoulders. Oh, yeah. It's not like... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. working like in a surf shop. W- how do I pay people? And when yeah. do I, that, working in a surf shop. these taxes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Working wait, in a we... surf shop versus running and owning a surf shop yeah. is fucking. Yeah. yeah. What's net big 30? Leagues. What's You're net 30? Leagues, bro. What's net 30? Yeah. yeah. Can I, can we just change that to net 90? Yeah. Or what, maybe net never? What's profit, yeah. profit margin? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wait, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. So it was a, it was an incredible learning experience, and it's where you know I learned the business of the industry. And I'll tell you the other thing that changed for me is that I loved the pro surfers and all that stuff. I I respected and admired them, and you know, but like one, I was never nowhere near good enough to be a pro surfer. I'll just flat out say it. I sucked, but I had a fun time, and I loved following these guys. But the guys that became my heroes, yeah were the guys that owned the brands. Those were the guys that like I fucking went gaga over. You know? It's like I was like, these guys are the ones that I want to learn more from, like the McKnights, you know, and the Michael Thompsons, you know? For sure. I was like, man, these guys are like my heroes and all that stuff. And so I studied what they did, their ads, their reps. When the reps came in, I'd be like, hey, what's going on over there? What are you guys working on? You know? And it's like, I was more about the business of yeah. the surf industry yeah. rather than, you know. Yeah, you weren't looking at them as like a pretty chick. You were looking at what's like like underneath what like can what's I going learn? on. Totally. Like, you yeah. know, like, what can I learn? Yeah. What can, can I, I learn? learn? What can I contribute to your growth yeah, as well? Yeah, how can I help? It's a partnership. Totally. I mean, it's in anything. When, when did you change the name, right? When you bought it or? You know, it was about, yeah, it was about nine months in and, um, you know, we were butting heads with Paul um, a little bit because Paul came from that you know pure surf mindset and we were like we're gonna bring in snowboards and go snowboarding that's for kooks you know it's like you can't bring in snowboards no what are you doing my name's on the shop yeah you know he because it was still burke surf shop back then and tom was like dude burke's got a good name we can't change the name and i'm like well dude he doesn't want us to carry snowboards and we he thinks that we're damaging his name yeah and honestly it's like and bill was on your side Right? Like, Bill was on our side. Yeah. Bill was on our side. Everybody was on our Dude, side. Snowboarding was blowing up, and I just, yeah, you because know, I was a grown yeah. man, yeah. and I was like, well, it wasn't blowing up yet. Like it was, it was on its way. For, yeah. Now for for like the core surfer and like you know for the Southern yeah. California families that like yeah. you know p- parents ski. Well, we're talking there, like, but this like, is the the first stage of that. No, yeah, I know, yeah. but yeah. I'm just saying like the the. The, the, the inside yeah, of became, the vibe, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was like we need to get on this yeah. like, trend. We need to get this in the shop to yeah. make yourself cool. Well, like, well, the funny thing is, so it's like you know, uh, is it you know? I went to Paul and I said, "Hey, Paul, we're gonna give you back your name, all your rights, and everything. You can do whatever you want. You can go open up another surf shop if you want. You keep your boards, all that stuff. We're gonna change the name." And he goes, "Well, are you guys gonna keep my boards and in stock?" It's like I really want you guys, and I'm like. We'll keep the boards in stock as yeah. long as you know you're okay with what we're doing. But yeah. like, if there's anything that you don't agree with, you're out. You know, and um, so we changed the name. And I remember going down to a, uh, the San Diego ASR show in September, and I was like, man, I got five days to change the name of this surf shop. You know, because there was just a lot of things going on, and it's like you know you can't wait months to come up with the perfect name. You have to set a time frame. 
So I'd been working on it for a while and everybody kept coming back to me going, dude, you should just name it Vipe Surf Shop. And I'm like, I'm not naming it after me. That's the worst idea. Yeah, yeah. but Vipe um, is a cool name. You know what? Right. If, if it works for some people, it's fine. But yeah. I just look at it in the Paul Burke sense that it's like, if I ever decide to sell, do I want somebody else owning my name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or tarnishing so you, it or You've anything. learned from, yeah. yeah. I've learned from that. And I go, it should be independent. And that's really where I started coming up with like, I had this, I think, hidden talent of marketing and branding. And so I was coming back and I was passing San Diego Airport. And I think, I forgot, it had like the acronym for it was like SDX or I can't remember what it was for the airport and then I was I was thinking LAX and everything and I'm like H2O you know and water yeah and I'm like H2O surf and snowboard shop that's us so it was literally on the way home from ASR I'm thinking in my car and everything you know just thinking of names and everything that I'd seen at ASR and what I see all around and got to the shop and I go we got our name isn't that rad when you when you have all these ideas and and, and names floating around and, and it just it clicks it. Yeah. That, that's it it clicks yeah, and it's got to be so rewarding it's so rewarding it so when you so good. Who, who did you spit the name out to Bill Keller yeah and Bill was like that's a rad name yeah you know everybody got I it. can just imagine Bill go what yeah. yeah that's cool yeah he was like that's so Let's sick that. yeah. yeah he was into it the guys that worked there were into it as well and um, how many people were with you. Uh, working, working for me, for, yeah. um, maybe like two or three. Okay. Yeah, not a whole lot. We were still a pretty small shop. There was just a couple local guys yeah. that were yeah. working for us, and that was it. Um, like Mike Zimmerman. Yeah, Mike Zimmerman. Mike Zimmerman. Remember yeah. that name? Yeah, yeah. Mike Zimmerman. Yeah. Mike Zimmerman. Mike. We went to school with the Zimmermans. Yeah. Yeah. Mike John, Zimmerman. Jimmy, and yeah, Mike. Mike, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sister. He became a fucking entrepreneur himself. Totally. They're all smart. Smart guys, really good kids. Um, Mike ran the shop. Um, There was a lot of guys. Hey, there's a lot of guys that came through the shop. And there's some really Chad Denena. Chad Denena came through there. Um, There's another guy. Greg Ostis worked for us for a little while when he was transitioning. From I think uh, Gotcha, okay. to, he'd left and he was kind of transitioning, and he before was like, Ezekiel then before Ezekiel, I think, yeah, and he was like, hey, I'm just looking for some, you know, basic work. What do you think? And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, are you kidding me? It's like you totally come in here, yeah. you know. So he worked there for a little while. Um, Brandon Lillard, Lillard, that's Lillard. right, yeah, yeah, that's who, yeah, yeah, Lillard worked there and regulated and ran the shop and everything and. We had an incredible crew, and we also became really tight with the reps yeah. and everything too. So, like John Wilson, you know, yeah. would would w- was our rep for Oakley, and he'd sleep on the floor of my house, you know, when he was doing his run. And Lance Varon, Lance Varon, you know, was our rep. I just uh, spoke with him at the Jacks Pro last week, and oh. I I totally forgot that he was a rep. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Like. I was like, holy shit, that's right. You were a rep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Counterculture and track top. Yeah. And, um, XL wetsuit. XL, yeah. So the XL, So here's a funny XL wetsuit story. So Lance, Ed, and I go out to dinner, and we're selling XL wetsuits, and they're the raddest guys. Ed and Lance are just incredible people, and we're talking, and... You know, Ed's talking about expanding over here into the U.S., you know, because they were out of Hawaii and shipping suits over. And he's like, man, it's like, we don't know if we want to sign a multi-year lease. What if it doesn't work? You know, and I'm like, 
why don't you guys use my shop as your warehouse and give me suits on consignment and my guys can help pack suits for Lance. I'll give Lance a key to the shop so he can come and go and I'll pay for whatever I sell every week. And they were like, really? wow, you do that? And I'm like, for sure, you know? It's like, are you kidding me for everything yeah. you guys have done for me? So that's how they validated Excel to be viable on the mainland and they got their through warehouse your, through, through our shirt. You had, yeah. the, you had the space? Like we had the space. So they didn't need a whole lot of wetsuits. They yeah. just needed enough to service the area to yeah. kind of build it up. Yeah. So yeah. we just said, Step hey, we're going to just give you all of our wetsuit space and even our storage, and it's all yours. So it pretty much, I think it tripled or quadrupled their inventory access here in the States. And then it's like, you know, if product would come in, my guys would inventory it, get it up, tell Lance what was here. What a Lance great would idea. call up and be like, hey, I need these suits pulled can somebody there pull them they'd pull them and lance would come in after hours pick up the suits and all that stuff so we we you know it was just like we're helping out people in our industry because that's the right thing to do you know and lance and ed are rad so it's like dude you guys have done so much for us it's like let us help you out so all of a sudden it's like probably not only did it help them out and help you out like you you helped solidify their place because dude the wetsuit game no one wanted anything else besides O'Neill yeah and Rip Curl yeah yeah other Remember? brands would come in and out and there was those two brands yeah. were like and body glove you yeah. know earlier yeah but like if if you didn't have Rip Curl or or O'Neill, O'Neill. oh yeah you were like second rate totally right? and we were second rate because we couldn't get either of those so for us it was XL and we're yeah. like yeah dude we're down with XL and you know so that was killer to be there to to work with them and now I see where they are and where Lance is and it's yeah. like so rad to so like rad. you know look at it and go gosh it's like how rad was it to be able to work with them yeah, yeah. for sure well, let's, let's talk about snowboarding like, yeah because that is kind of what you guys are known for and when you s- coined the name H2O, was snowboarding already part of the equation? or Not, not yet, yet, not yet. You know, for us back then, it was still H2O Surf Company, you know. And then when we started carrying snowboards, it's like, well, it's cool to say surf and snowboard company. So we started that or snowboard shop, surf and snowboard shop. And we really tried, you know, played around with all that stuff. So for us, it was just like, hey, we can be whoever we want to be. Nobody's telling us what to be. And the other thing too is that like, I think the vibe we were creating was like we were one of the first three shops to carry Volcom. You know, so for Willie and Tucker, they were like, well, none of these big shops will carry us. Where it's like, well, none of the big brands would sell to us. Yeah. So we're like, let's work together. So, you know, for us, it was like, Volcom, Excel, World Jungle, SMP, Arnett. Yeah. You know, all these alternative brands, counterculture, World Jungle, you know, all these things that were like fresh and up and coming. And I'm like, well, why should we carry the stuff that's available everywhere when we can carry the stuff that's not available? Yeah. And we had guys coming to us from all over Orange County because they realized that we were selling the f- new fresh stuff. Yeah. And the, the edgy fun, store. The edgy store, exactly. Yeah. And we were falling right in line with all that stuff, you know, with what Volcom was doing. And that's when Bill and I talked about, like, you know, let's create the H2O Winter Classic. Let's surf one day, snowboard the next. We loved music. And our friend Rick DeVoe 
was doing all the music stuff with Blink-182, Pennywise, Unwritten Law with Taylor Steele. Yeah. So we're like, well, let's just take that music and make it part of the H2O Winter Classic because who doesn't love a good so concert? That is so First crazy. off, like, what was your first snowboard, like, brand and who, you know, like, yeah, what, what happened? How yeah. did that spark... So, you know, we were getting hit up by brands left and right, you know, because snowboarding, snowboarding. Yeah. and we had no idea except like, okay, we heard about Sims, we heard about Burton, Avalanche and all these other brands and we couldn't get them because uh, uh, InFlight had In all flight. the A plus brands yeah. locked. So we had to kind of just go after like the alternative guys. And I remember the first brand that we picked up, which was um, a brand called Mistral. You know, and they came from the windsurfing industry and we had no idea what, you know, what was going on. We're just like, great, somebody's going to sell us snowboards. Yeah. You know, we didn't care about the cool factor or anything. We're just like, we're, we're a pretty cool fucking shop. We'll make anything cool. Yeah. yeah. And sure enough, it's like we brought in Mr. Was this Strong. what, how, how many years into? Uh, one year. Mm-hmm. So one year in. So I bought the shop, Tom and I bought the shop in January and the following January we were selling snowboards. Okay. Quick. Quick, yeah. we had to, we had to, and just so Mistral, Mistral, and then the second brand that we brought in was Kemper, okay. and you know that was uh, fun, and then you know then all of a sudden there was these these alternative, you know, snowwear brands like um, you know um, I think it was Snowblend and Special Blend, Special Blend, yeah. Special Blend, yes, yeah, Special Blend, and you know just other random guys coming out with yeah. stuff, so which were the cooler. Um, Gen X new type of totally snow. Yeah, snow I mean brands. you're just taking the same formula that was working on the surf side. And totally, it, but, yeah. but it was kind of by default because you yeah. couldn't get some of the other brands. Yeah. But then yeah. again, we're gonna your staff and your guys's crew. We're gonna sell anything, it. make it cool. Anyway, yeah. totally, totally. We yeah. were the shop that like you know we didn't care if it was cool or not. For us, it was like what fits with our vibe. Yeah. You know, so for us, number one was our brand. We sold so much H2O stuff. It was crazy. I mean, it's like I couldn't believe the numbers. And even when I tell the reps of like what we were selling, they'd be like, are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we sold so much stuff. And part of it was because we treated ourselves as a brand. Yeah. We'd come out with new t-shirt designs, new hat designs. Yeah. We'd come up with funny stuff. And People would love it. Like, you know, little Billy Keller peeing on the front doorstep with the little, you know, peeing H2O on the doorstep and everything. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, that's a rad shirt. Nobody yeah. else would do that. So for us, we were really <laughs> trying to teach ourselves of like, let's be a brand. So that way the guys that sell to us, you know, are stoked on us, yeah. you know, as opposed to like a burden. You know, it's like, hey, we're holding our own to where it's like we're helping them be cool and they're helping us be cool. Yeah. So we carry random stuff too, you know. And the first big brand that we carried was um, Gotcha. Yeah. And then um, they were kind of like, we got them on the way up and they had peaked and then they kind of like chundered. Yeah. um, Because they kind of went off on the deep end. But the next big brand that we got was Billabong. Wow. You know, uh, Bob and Gomez walked in and they're like, we really want to be in your store. And I'm like, wow. really? You know? It's and, like, were, and they were selling to everybody? How'd that go? No, they weren't selling to everybody. They were, um, their distribution was still pretty limited. They weren't as big of a line as the other brands, but yeah. they wanted to grow. But they also saw an opportunity that it's like, hey, there's something special going on at H2O with Volcom and S&P and World Jungle and Arnett and the yeah. crew and all that stuff. They're like, 
we should align with these guys because it'll be good for our brand in the yeah. long term. So they were super cool and we're like, we're not a big brand. It's like, we're not a big retail store. We can't do big numbers. And they're like, doesn't matter. You do whatever you can do. Yeah. And that's it. So they were really good to us. Pay um, your bills, have a killer staff and, and you know, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. Put out, get, put out a good Getting vibe. behind a brand is what really drives the brand. Totally. Yeah. You know, if when you believe in the brand and you, you know, showcase it, you know, oh, and, yeah. and tell the story, that really helps, you know, push yeah. the brand along. Yeah, the staff is everything too, man. Yeah, you got, you know, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like getting behind it, like you oh, said, yeah. like, you know, come in, like oh yeah, knowledgeable. Yeah, you know, could talk to talk. Yeah, you know. Like, well, the other thing, you're right. I mean, it's like look, having Brandon Lillard and Chad and all these other guys that work for me, Bill Keller and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, it's like who are they? Were the vi- they set the vibe? Yeah, you know, who, who are like icons in in the industry. They're you know, total icons in the industry. They're, I mean, they're Bill moving. Keller, Brandon Lillard, Chad, Chad Danina, like Oh, yeah. That's three. John Wilson. I mean, John didn't work for us, yeah. but he definitely spent flew a lot flag. of time, flew the flag yeah. for us. You know, you've seen his career. Yeah. Um, Charlie Setzler. Yeah. I mean, Charlie came through our shop as well, so he's had a very successful career yeah. in the industry. I mean, you know, he got his first custom surfboard from us, and that's what inspired him to get into the industry. So, yeah. The the snowboard industry became a bigger part of your business. Right? Not really. No, it, no, it didn't. It was really a small part of our business, but it was exciting that time of year. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the for about three months, there was a lot of excitement and energy out yeah. there. Okay, here I got to tell this story. Okay, because snowboarding's coming up. Okay, because this is a rad story and one that nobody has ever heard. Okay. So this is like right here, right here, Chalky. right here. Premiere. Yeah. World premiere. This is, this is the money story. Okay. So one, one season, our shop was getting broken into what? left and right. People were just breaking windows, running in and grabbing snowboards and all that stuff. Okay. Just nonstop. It's mm. like, it was pissing us off you know it's like so much going on and i think in in like over the course of like two months we got broken into three times wow. <sighs> okay and i was pissed and brandon was working for me and chad was working for me and a couple other guys too but brandon and chad and i were like fucking furious sleeping here every night that's what we did yeah so one time we we're like we're sleeping here we're gonna catch these fuckers Okay, so sure enough, it's like, you know, Brandon, Chad, and I sleeping in the shop, okay? It just tells you the character of these guys. Yeah. Like they're like, no way are these clowns getting away with doing this to our shop. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, we're, we're having dinner, and then we're going back in the shop and getting ready for, you know, go to sleep and all that stuff. And the first couple nights, nothing happens. And, like, you know, I think it was a third or fourth night where you kind of let your guard down a little bit. And you're like, okay, we're going to get a good night's sleep, you know, yeah. and all that. And Nothing's going to happen tonight. Nothing's going to happen tonight. So I'm sleeping in one area, Chad's sleeping in another, and Brandon's sleeping in another. And we've got a baseball bat, and I think we got a pellet gun, okay? And we're just like, we're ready for these fuckers. So then all of a sudden, it's like middle of the night, we just hear like... And we're like, man, what is going on? And there's flashlights and all that stuff. And Chad's already up with a baseball bat. And he goes, get ready, they're coming. Okay? Wow. And Brandon's like, 
you know, just like aggro and I'm still kind of like waking, waking up like, what's going on, man? It's like I'm in my deep slumber. The door breaks open, okay, and two guys fall in and Chad takes a swing, bats this guy, and he goes flying out the door again oh okay my gosh. and it's like all this commotion is going on and i can't even get to the front door because it happened so quick and it's like Did lights go on yet or is it still not no lights didn't go on yet these guys are freaking out because they're like what just happened they're scared they weren't expecting the that thieves. the thieves yeah they're running down the stairs chad's chasing them i make it and i'm like just with the pellet gun just pinging these guys in the back not even sure if it's hitting them or not okay and Brandon and I are like, what the fuck, you know? And Chad's chasing these guys down the street and everything. Chad's a badass, huh? Yeah, total badass. Limps back. The poor guy broke his foot. Fuck! Broke his foot, man. And scared. Did it broke his foot? He broke his foot. He broke his foot. I don't know where he might have hit it on the way out or down or something like oh. that. But he ran and he was limping back and everything. And uh, Brandon took him to the hospital, and I flagged down a cop, and we told him what happened and everything. Didn't catch the guys. Didn't catch the guys. Oh. He, he, got a, he got one swing at one. He day. got a swing. Oh. He got a swing. So that's the story that has never been told. Never that's got amazing. broken into again because it's never got the broke. same dudes. Same never people. got broken into again. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Taking the law in your own hands. Yeah. yeah. Street I mean, justice. Dude. Yeah. Danetta and Miller It happens Miller like style. two or three times, dude. You got to like... You, yeah, and you fi- you figure it's the same. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, we had the alarm, we had the gates, we had everything. Yeah. You know, we d- we thought we did everything we needed yeah. to yeah. to protect ourselves and you know you know discourage break-ins. But these guys, you know, they wanted it. And and what were they taking? Every anything they get their hands on, or pretty much anything things? that they could get their hands yeah. on, but mainly snowboards. If yeah. they could get, grab like two, three snowboards at a time, they yeah. totally could. Um, so that night they didn't get away with anything, yeah. but, uh, the boys, you know, that's awesome. What a great, yeah. What a great so, badass crew you guys have. Right. Yeah. Such oh a good God. crew. Good job, boys. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, okay. we got to get so, them on here. So back to H2O classic. Classic. Yeah. So how did that come about? Whose idea was it? Yeah, that was Bill and I sitting around talking about like, how do we promote our shop? What do we do to get out there and like really make some noise? And, you know, um, we loved surfing. We loved snowboarding. And we're like, well, what year? That was 92. So you guys are, what, the third year of business? Second year? Second business? year. Second okay. year of business. And we're like, yeah, let's do the H2O Winter Classic. And, um, you know, we'll do surfing and snowboarding and we'll do it here at Huntington and then we'll do it up at the mountains and all that stuff. And we're like, okay, killer. And, you know, it was just us putting up pop-up tents, having no idea how to run a surf contest. We're talking to people, filling out janky permits, insurance. Why do we need insurance? You know, just so fly-by-night operation, but just pure stoke yeah you know and the camaraderie and everything of like let's do this let's go have fun and trek and all that stuff so we pulled it off now was there any events like that before no well there was a little bit op had their winter surf but it was it was really kind of like you know underground the way that it was run and all that stuff so they did surfing and snowboarding and skiing or something like that so that's where our idea was okay hey how do we do 
surf and snow the right way. Yeah. And so we did it and um, pulled it off and people were stoked. And how many uh, like uh, signups did you get the first year? You know, I can't even did remember. You have, I'm sure you... Was it you, you had a, success? a certain amount of slots? We had a certain amount of slots. Because you had to finish your contest in a day. Yeah, I mean, we had enough uh, to finish the contest in in a day on each day and all that stuff, just based on what we were thinking. Yeah. It's a one day contest. Two days. So two one days. day you surf, the next day you snowboard. Okay. So you had to get up there, up in the mountains and all that. So. For us, it was really just like, you know, let's see what we can do. And luckily, Bill had been judging contests. So he kind of knew timing and people and all that stuff. So we really built the um, idea around the snowboard portion of it based on how many people we could get through surfing. Yeah. You know, because it didn't matter. If you couldn't get 100 people through surfing in that time slot, then it didn't matter how many you had. So... We figured the the magic number was like forty eight mm. uh, surfers 48. and forty eight snowboarders. So that way, you know, combined it was like what you know, eighty something. Yeah. You know, so that way we had a good crew and a good feel, but at least there were forty eight surfers and forty eight snowboarders in an equal blend. Yeah. So it wasn't like the surfer snowboarded too, or they had to do both. Okay. You had to yeah, surf. Was and it, you, had... you didn't have a team or one, you know one surfer one snowboarder as a team. Yeah. It was just you. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you said 48 surfers and 48 snowboarders. Yeah, because the same we, person. Well, yeah, though, right? No, no, no. Well, we wanted snowboarders too. So the idea was we wanted snowboarders to surf. Oh, okay. And we wanted surfers to snowboard. And we wanted to see who was better. You know, were the snowboarders better at getting the overall because they surfed better? Or was it the surfers who could So surf you had it? 48 snowboarders that surfed. Yeah. And you had 48 surfers that snowboarded. You, 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 well, yeah. I think if I'm hearing you right, it was well. It was 48 surfers who could snowboard mm-hmm. and 48 snowboarders who could surf. Okay. Not all of them could do the other sport, but they were definitely hell bent on trying the other sport and yeah. crossing over. Yeah. So you so had 96. People. 96 people. Wow. 96 people. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of people, you know, because part and of you it had was, like the who's who. Not the first year. The first okay. year it was just randoms because we had the prize money and all that stuff. So people were just like coming out for a little bit of money. Yeah. What was know? the prize money for first year? I can't remember what it was, but I know that it was decent. Mm. You know, couple and grand, couple grand, probably yeah. like three to five grand or something. Yeah. And, I, and the highest it got was I think like thirty grand. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, crazy. so the first event, Success. Huntington and. Um, Huntington and Big Bear. Big Bear. Yeah, super successful. We learned a lot. And who? Do you remember who won? I don't. I don't off the top of my <laughs> we'll head. Have to, we'll uh, have to dig yeah. back. I'll yeah. have to try and dig around to see. I can't remember. It might have been. Might have been Troy Ecker because Troy won it three times. Yeah. You know, he was like that's who the event was kind of made for. Yeah. Him and Joe Rich, Mark Gabriel. Yeah. yeah. You know, all these guys that were crossing over, and it wasn't like for surfers or for snowboarders yeah. only. It was these guys. Did GT compete in it? GT competed yeah. in it. I did it yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Did yeah, you? Yeah. 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 I didn't. I didn't. It's always about late Dude, night. Terry did. Name, it. Uh, I do. I did. It. <laughs> but I was doing a lot of traveling. I didn't. I it depended on if I was in town or not. But yeah, yeah it started off as a cool event, but all the pro snowers like, no, we need some freaking real jumps. So each year it got, it got like worse. Yeah. Bigger. I think the third year <laughs> I did it. I bypassed a couple of the jumps. Oh yeah, dude, they were scary. I, so. No joke, like I'm rolling up and I'm like, what? Yeah, and before the event started, you get a couple practice runs and one pro snowboarder broke his back. 
Like, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, that's why I'm not going off that jump today. And that's oh, why yeah. you need insurance. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, wow. So, first year, got a lot of attention. How did you, did you go to the magazines and tell them that you were doing? TV yeah, well, I mean, we just went out and kind of like, this is where the degree came in to where it's like, okay, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing this surf and snowboard contest and here's what it's about. And, um, you know, do you guys want to cover it do you guys want to you know give us an ad do you want us to you know yeah, what, do, what do you give us yeah. yeah you know and um, I still have the first poster at my house it's awesome. and it's rad you know OP was a part of it look snowboards uh, surfer magazine surfer and snowboarder magazines both were part of it and you know a handful of other companies as well just pieced it together for us but we knew we had something special after that because no surf shop was doing an event at that time at that level. The only other big event at that time was the Caton Pro-Am. I was yeah. just going to say, yeah, Caton was blowing up. Caton was blowing didn't up. have anything to do with snow. No, but it was really kind of like a retail store that was doing that big of an event. None yeah. of the other shops, I don't believe, were doing any major events. They might have been sponsoring some contests, yeah. but none of them had title of like and snowboarding it was... Blowing up, blowing up, so blowing up. It was about to blow up. It you could tell that it was going to blow up. It yeah. hadn't blown up yet. We were still in the early years of it, so I think it was still two years before it was going to blow up. But I think our contest and the energy and the excitement around it is what really got more people into snowboarding because yeah. they're like, Man, that looks like a fun contest! So yeah. it killed it, and then you. Next killed it, year, killed it, kept doing it and everything. Money. Prize money went up. And then the guys at ESPN approached me and said, hey, we'd like to air your contest on ESPN too. And I'm like, sure. Small rinky-dink surf shop yeah. putting on this contest. And all of a sudden, ESPN two wants to air it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Let's do this. You know, it's like that's promotion and marketing for me. Yeah. You know, how many shops? More HGOTs. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and now it's more Billy Jr. pissing on the. <laughs> totally. Totally. You know, now it's like, okay, more brands are going to want to be in my store. Yeah. You know, it's like we're elevating, we're, we're, we're elevating ourselves. Yeah. We're elevating the industry. We're elevating everybody. So, you know, we do it and they do a great job on cutting the event, editing it, and you know the storytelling you can't get more professional and mainstream than ESPN 2 especially back then yeah, yeah. especially back then back yeah. then ESPN was the only uh, channel covering surfing yeah and they saw this like crossover as being something totally different but they were paying attention they're yeah. like there's something here and that's when they started talking about the X Games out of our event wow they were like hey there's this you know, this alternative sport culture that's brewing out there. It's surf, skate, snow, moto, wake, BMX, and yeah. punk rock music and all that stuff. So that was preceding X Games. Oh, they, they yeah. built X Games off of our event. So uh, You know, that was off of our event. Yeah. Nobody was doing that. And then the, in, the introduction of music, of Pennywise, Blink-182, and Unwritten Law was the beginning of, like, the creation of the Warp Tour. Yeah. You know, we were the ones that were like discovering these bands so that you, nobody had heard of. Is it the first event that you did that had had the bands? Or no, it wasn't until I think the second or third event that that happened because uh, we started linking up with Taylor Steele and when DeVoe started managing some of these bands, you know, he's like, well, let's throw a party and I'm all like, 
yeah. Yeah. So Rick put the bands together, and we got to meet all these guys. I mean, we had Jimmy World playing our stage, 30 Seconds to Mars played our stage. Where was the venue? We would just use different, like Old World Village. We'd use that. We'd use the Big Bear Convention Center. A couple times we were on the mountain at Snow Summit with, like, the stage and everything. So we just kind of went wherever we could. So H2O became a marketing machine. Marketing machine. Dude, Dude. It, like that became your full-time job, huh? Like putting that thing together. It I was mean, pretty, it was a lot of work, but it didn't take a lot of time because we had kind of like the basics, but I had to work on it all year yeah. bit by piece. But really what it did was like it, I mean, people would fly in from all over. And yeah. Instead of just going to Main Street to shop, they'd venture to Sunset and they'd walk in and they'd look around and they're like, is this like the H2O Winter Classic Surf Shop? And we're like, because <laughs> it's a small, yeah, small shop. Yeah. How Super. big was that? <clears throat> maybe like 800 square feet. That that room and this room combined. Yeah. That was it. So maybe like a thousand square. Maybe foot. a thousand square foot. Yeah. You know, it's like it was small, but people would walk in and just like, this is it. The 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 event that I saw on ESPN yeah. two. Yeah. This is it. And, and we're like, yeah. And did you ever think about upgrading and moving to? A bigger, a bigger space? We did. We did. We actually uh, moved from the upstairs locations to a downstairs location next to the gas station. So we doubled our space. Um, and that was great. I mean, our numbers doubled overnight. And that's when we were like, oh my God, it's like we're on our way. And the event helped everything. So and was Bill, um, Brandon, and Denena? Working with you, Denena yeah. went to Transworld, I think. Yeah, by that time. yeah. Denena, uh, he went to Transworld shortly thereafter. Yeah, yeah. yeah shortly thereafter. But, but they were all part of the first. Oh yeah, they were all yeah. part of the first shop, and then definitely part of the er, second shop in the early days. Yeah, you know. But they with, they, with they the H two O Classic. Winter yeah. Classic. Oh yeah, they were very instrumental in yeah. the H two O Winter Classic. All three of those guys. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, they, they they were fun. It was a great. I mean. It was a good, good event. I never event. went to yeah. one, but I can only imagine how huge of a turnout and like the well, the. well, you know what it was. It's like it's it like was, a, the the early festival. Kind it was. Of. It was. Yeah. I mean, we would have fans show up to the beach and then they would caravan up to the mountain for the concert, yeah. and then they would like find places to crash and then show up. To watch the snowboarding, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, you know, it was so rad to see people following the contest like that. And you should just change the name to Viper Palooza. I know, right? <laughs> I was so far behind on that stuff, man. Yeah. I could have been retired by now. But it was fun, you know. It's like those were some good days of learning about the industry. And you and ran the that for like seven, about seven, eight years. years about yeah. seven, eight years. Yeah, it was a, it was a long. It was a good run, you know, and things were changing in the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, I was getting burned out on the surf shop and, uh, you know, I saw that um, if, uh, if the only way to stay in retail was to grow more locations. Mm. And, and back it, then, that's what looked, like, people were doing. Yeah, everybody was doing it. You had to, yeah. Unless you owned your building, yeah. you had to grow to buy you know get that like you know uh buying power and everything in the muscle so i was like you know i don't really want to be in retail any longer and i went and uh 
Here's another funny story. I'm going to talk shit about Duke. So, <laughs> so Duke, love, love Duke so much. He was my Surfside Sports. Yeah, you know, good, good friend of mine, mentor, and ev- everything to me. And um, I went down there to bitch and complain to Duke, you know, just like burned out and sour and all that stuff. And Duke was totally like buying into my sourness and everything and complaining and bitching and whining and all that stuff. And I was like, oh my God, it's not just me, you know, it's Duke. And I think there was a lot of, you know, stuff going on at that time that were pissing off retailers, but I was getting pissed off for a different reason and Duke was getting pissed off for a different reason. So Surfside on the beach still. Uh, yes, Surfside on the beach. Yep, and exactly. they were were they big snowboarding? Yes, they were already. Yeah, they they got yeah they'd okay. gotten into snowboarding already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know Duke's just going off on me and everything and just venting and all that stuff. And I was like, Duke, stop. And he goes, What? And I go, You just convinced me to get out of retail because I don't want to be like you when I'm your age. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. And I was like, I'm out. Yeah. And seriously? Seriously. Seriously. And he, I was, instead of a pep talk, it's that. I'm you know, out. You just convinced he, me. He validated that I don't want to be a salty dog when I get older because that's where I'm headed and everything. And uh, God, God bless you, Duke. You, you're a good friend and mentor and always have been, but I love you. Hey, did he do you a favor or did he do himself a favor? He did me getting a favor. Out, getting he, out a competitor. He did me a favor. He did me a favor big time. You no. better look at that again. No, no, no. He, he, he did me a big favor, man. He, he's, like I said, it's like, you know, he's a good friend of mine still to this day. I love the guy. Oh. I mean, he just, like... It, but you it was, just need the affirmation of, like, you already had your mindset. But, totally. You know, you're, you know, you're reaching out to your, your mentors, your peers, and you're yeah. like, hey, like, is this, you know... Yeah. Everybody has their issues and a lot of similar and issues. totally. You know... For people that don't know Duke, I mean, he's been doing this longer than most people. He has. And yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He and has. and his experience with, you know, he was at HSS back in the day. Yeah. And he had Duke, the pulse of surfing. Yeah. And then Surfside was yeah. like the third, the yeah. third iteration of his business, yeah. you know, acumen or whatever you want to call it. And... For somebody like that, you look up to that guy, yeah. and you're like, fuck, like, yeah. Well, he was also very dedicated to retail as well, mm-hmm. you know? So I knew that for, like, Duke loved retail. I had lost still does. my... It still does. Yeah. Still yeah. does. I love walking in there and talking to him and Joe. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's rad. And, you know, but back then, it's like I lost my love for retail yeah you know and I, mean, I knew yeah. that I couldn't yeah you, know, ambitions. Thing. you, you had the success of the event and you're like you're you're opening up to like yeah. I think there's more out there for me totally that's yeah. exactly what happened yeah. you know it's like I wanted to get out of retail and really open things up and what I saw was the H2O Winter Classic opened up my eyes to a lot of new things but seeing the X Games and the Warp Tour made me realize that it's like Action sports is going to blow up <laughs> yeah. and somebody's going to need to be there to help non-endemic brands bridge the language. That's where that yeah. business writing degree as, comes in. As soon in. as you saw it on TV, you're like, now this is going to so, recruit some Yeah. How do I help brands. brands outside talk to this culture authentically? And is that your conversation with Red Bull coming in? Yeah. To the, yep. To Red the, Bull. Oh. Yeah. 
That was the Red Bull conversation, you know? Wow. It's like, how do I help these guys so, connect with this industry and culture authentically? Did you reach out to Red Bull or did Red Bull see you? A friend of mine had a connection with Red Bull from Europe and said, hey, these guys want to come to America and they're trying to get some programs launched, but they're not having any success. So this is way before... This is 1998. Got, way before they got into action sports. We got them into action sports. Shut My the front agency door. got them into action sports. So wait, you, you exit H2O. Yep. Did you sell it? No, Close I it closed down? it down. Okay. Closed it down because I wanted B- to retain BK it. BK or nobody wanted to buy it over? Or well, take BK over. was already doing his thing. Repping, repping. Yeah, repping and all that stuff. Brandon Chad was gone. Chad world. was at Nixon. Um, the guys that I had working for me at that time didn't have the ambition to run it or own it. Yeah. My brother would have been the perfect person to hand it over to, but he was too young and didn't have the interest yet. So I really didn't have a good exit. Mm. So it was really like, okay, well, if I want to retain the name H2O Winter Classic, I can't have somebody else running the shop yeah. either. So I shut it down and... Um, Moved on, did the agency, and... So wait, that's what you, your next step, you transitioned to an agency. Yep, exactly. Uh, started an agency with a friend of mine. What was it called? The Shop. The Shop. Yep, exactly. And, and your agency was to do what? To... Help brands outside bridge. of the industry. So help, help our brands find sponsors for their events and then have other sponsors, outside guys, connect with people in our industry. So like we did- Did somebody um, do that already or nobody no, was doing that? Nobody did it. Nobody huh. did it properly. He was kind of like the, I remember going to and getting like Reeboks and all the special Box, figure. Nick and I. Yeah. Yeah, that was the and thing. it was like he did, they did all the seating for like, yeah, hey, come in and grab some stuff. Like they had a whole promo like room. Yeah. Yep. Like, hey, come grab some stuff. So and you and who? Nick Adcock. Yeah. Nick Adcock uh, from B- uh, he was with DC Shoes for a long time, yeah. Reebok guy. I mean, super, super smart guy. One of my mentors and everything. And just, he brought me into the whole box Reebok yeah. thing of like, you know, seating of like, let's get these products on the right guys. Yeah. So I was helping with that. And then, um, you know, Nick's the one that found Red Bull when he went on a trip over there and brought him back and said, hey, the guys at Red Bull want to break into the U.S. market. Let's go meet with them. So we went and met with them and everything. And this was like, I think they were doing 35 million globally at this tone point, but no action sports. Did you set up a business plan for this or was it like... For the agency? For the agency, yeah. Nick had it. Nick had the business plan. He was the brains behind it. I was more of the creative like worker bee. And you guys are partners in it? Not partners. I worked for him. It was his agency, but I was working into that. But I was also kind of like thinking I, I was going to do my own consulting later on too because the agency was kind of going into different areas that I didn't feel comfortable with but I really enjoyed working with Nick okay. so for me it's like I wanted to stay action sports focused and Nick wanted to kind of spread his wings a yeah. little bit more so you went um, to work for him yep went to for work his for his agency yep. to specialize in action sports action sports Got exactly it. so we sat down with Red Bull and you know I uh, pitched him an idea and they were like this sounds interesting. We're not sure where it's going to go, but we'll trust you. So let's go do this. So was 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 the drink initially coming out like Red Bull Europe? Were you know was it a an adult drink? Was it? Were it, well, it was already big, it was already big in Europe. Yeah, it was already like, what was big in demographic. Because I mean, getting into action sports is like you're kind of going after that. Yeah, the youth. youth you yeah. Know? 
Well, it was different. I mean, the, the, the different people they were working with over here, like the agencies were telling them the blueprint of Coke and Pepsi. You got to be at the Super Bowl. You got to be with Britney Spears. You know, you got to be with baseball, football, apple pie, Chevrolet, yeah. you know, and it's like, well, that space is expensive and crowded because really Coke expensive. and Pepsi have that covered. Yeah. You know, it's like, I would never send you into that yeah. space. Um, so they were looking for something different. They just didn't know what it was. Mm. And when I got to sit down with them and put my business writing degree you know, in front of them and, you know, talk to them with this narrative and story and, you know, the culture and all that stuff, they started getting it and they're like, it sounds really interesting. We're just not sure what this executes like and what the ROI is going to be on this. But so this is before PowerPoint and all that. PowerPoint was pretty big back then, but like PowerPoint was like just coming on. How, How did you... I did my first PowerPoint. I went to PowerPoint, like I got PowerPoint certificate. You know, I literally <laughs> went to a course to and learn got, PowerPoint, yeah. Word, and Excel. So is that how you uh, uh, present presented the ideas that you yeah. gave? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was PowerPoint. PowerPoint. I, I, I'm interested in that because cause you've already done it with your own brand, H2O Winter Classic, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you you took that step and then stepped up to ESPN coming on board. Mm-hmm. So was that all part of your PowerPoint? Uh, I didn't even show I, my PowerPoint presentation. I didn't have a PowerPoint presentation for that one. You know, and a, a good one because I was still learning PowerPoint at that time. I had a VHS tape, and the VHS tape is what I sold them on. I said, "Here's my surf contest, or surf and snowboard contest, the H2O Winter Classic. Let me tell you about this demographic. Yeah, you know, here's the sport, here's the culture, here's why it works. Hey, look at this guy right here. You know, this guy's a professional surfer. This guy's a professional snowboarder. This guy has his own company. You know, look at this band. They're going to be big. You know, yeah. so it's like I showed them." the culture yeah because i couldn't take them to the contest because the contest was like almost, right. you know done yeah you know but i'm like let me show you what this looks like so they were like that looks like an exciting demographic that we'd like to tap into yeah so i told them i go here's what's wrong with the x games and here's the opportunity for us to come in swinging i go mountain dew sponsors the x games but they don't respect the industry or the athlete they exploit our athletes, okay? So it's like the athletes, blacktop with cold cuts, VIPs, hot food, <coughs> air-conditioned suite, all that stuff, okay? Industry guys aren't even invited to be part of this, and they're exploiting our culture. X okay? Games is. X Games is. Okay, so how about we look at, you know, servicing these guys off-site? Let me create the Red Bull Athlete House. Let's, Is that what it was? Yeah, it was the Red Bull Athlete House. I created a house off-site with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, full VIP section, and, and I is, knew all the athletes. And this is before them really sponsoring? They had no sponsored athletes at that time. And your concept was to create a, a almost like a hotel for yes, exactly. for athletes. Exactly. I wanted, the, I wanted the brand to meet the athletes. I wanted the athletes to feel appreciated yeah. and going, who is Red Bull and why are they doing this for me? Yeah. So, so it, not sponsorship. It not was sponsorship. just like hospitality. Hospitality, introduction, service. Yeah. Let's service. You're introducing the Red Bull name yep. through hospitality. Yeah. 
and treating them right like they should be totally at the X Games. Exactly. Okay. That's wow. It. That's it. You know, emotional. You know, not you know ROI. Yeah. You know, not sticker on board. Yeah. None of that. No stuff. sticker. No contract. No nothing. No money. Nothing. There was nothing there. Wow. Nothing. It was just athletes, and then all of a sudden they came in, and we had Tony Hawk. I mean, we had all the athletes in our Red Bull athlete house in 1998, and the Red Bull guys were like, every major athlete is here, and they're stoked. And I'm like, this is what's missing from the X Games and Mountain Dew. That's corporate. They don't get it. So you pulled it off without them, Mountain Dew, finding out. Well, they found out. Mountain Dew found out later After, on. Afterwards, yeah. during well, while it was happening, because all the athletes were in the Red Bull athlete yeah. house, and the cameras yes. we, were like, "We want to interview these athletes," right. and we're like, "Well, you can't come in because this is their zone." Yeah, you know. Um, so you got to do your interviews elsewhere. And then we had athletes going back to the event doing interviews, and they had None Red of Bull these athlete guys had sponsors. They didn't have beverage sponsors. No beverage sponsors. Right. Pre-beverage sponsors. Right. You know, there might have been a couple guys getting like Mountain Dew Flow here and there, but yeah. nobody had stickers on their boards yeah. or was getting paid to the okay. level that we're talking about today. That's freaking you know? genius. So it was rad. It was rad. You yeah. know, it, look, it was and you really, came up with this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we executed it. The Red Bull guys were floored and they were like, we want to build off of this. So we uh, hopped on a plane to Utah because they wanted us to check out another project. And on the way out there, um, the head of marketing at the time was like, well, where do we go from here? How do we build on this? And I go, well, tell me about your marketing group. And he goes, well, it's really me and a couple other people. And it's like, well, here's how you build a marketing department. You have category managers. So you want one guy from surf, one guy from skate, snowboard. You want these guys. You're telling me these guys I'm telling them that. Where did you learn this? I just learned it from the industry, the business side of the industry. How do you create a, 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 a stellar marketing department? And the organization that I looked at at that point that had the best one was Oakley. Oakley had the best marketing division with all their category managers and how they operated and all that stuff. And I go, you guys need to do this. So I penciled out their org chart of how to build a marketing department around action sports. For Red Bull. For Red Bull. Wow. And then they're like, okay, now how do we meet these people? And I go, well, let me go introduce you to these people. And we'd run them up and down the coast, introducing them to people, the magazines, the shops. To their category managers. Yep, category managers. And we're like, you gotta bring in the guys that are respected in that sport that are on the cusp of retirement. Okay, so you you find somebody that knows everything about surfing Okay, that loves it and he's connected to the mags, the photographers, the athletes, the brands, yeah. the retailers, the soup to nuts. The guy can walk into any place and everybody knows that guy's name. Yeah. That's who your category manager is. Wow. And you just replicate that through surf, skate, snow, moto, wake, BMX. And they did that with every sport that they Yeah, because there was there was brands specific for those categories and then brands that did crossovers you know yeah. like i mean oakley is a perfect example they did they, they did everything quicksilver did kind of they did skate but not really but i mean yeah they, they so tried to get in the skate they did you they know with, with hawk and stuff yeah, yeah. yeah. and you know but that Volcom, was pre, pre. Volcom, yeah. yeah but volcom yeah. was volcom was doing that doing but, great. but volcom you know they had like 
like Troy kind of doing everything. Mm. They hadn't come up with category managers yeah. yet. The only guys that I saw that had a good category oh. manager program was Oakley. Yeah. yeah. You know, but they were operating like a sports brand. Exactly. So I think their model. They brought in all they, the, they, the best. Yeah. For, from my observation, Oakley mirrored what Nike was doing. Totally. Right. Totally. Right. And they brought it into our world mm-hmm. and they professionalized the athlete support and everything and the cross-pollination of athletes. I mean, it's like taking your surfers on a snowboard trip or your snowboarders out to a concert with Bad Religion. I mean, they were just like hooking guys up left and right. It's crazy how your H2O, you know, masterpiece, how that was like your, your, um, diploma or education, my master's college, your masters to, you know, and all you guys were doing is promoting your shop and having a good time, and we love snowboarding and surfing. And then yeah. look where it took you. Totally, it's crazy. Totally, I, I wasn't lying to you when yeah. I told you guys I didn't get good grades. Yeah. Okay, but even Red Bull at the time, you're pitching it to this like European company. It's only doing 35 more worldwide, and they're not even here. And it's probably like it might not even work out. And who knows this brand? And then look where they're at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about. I mean, they're probably top five, you know, non-alcoholic totally. drink in the world. But totally. they're. More, you know, I talked with different friends like, like Bonaventura, Dave Bonaventura says like, Red Bull's like, not really, you know, when you think about it, it's more media marketing than it is a drink. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Like, it, they do it for the drink, but yeah. everyone looks at them and goes, wow, they're fucking, you know. Yeah. Not only do they sponsor the top athletes, yeah. but they have Red Bull TV yeah, for which sure. I'm addicted to watching Red Bull TV. But just their their, their their like VIP their VIP like areas at every event like they're sponsoring all yeah. the events, but they're treating like you know yeah the the who's and has and everybody in between and make so sure tell me you made good, good money. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. That's why I got out of the agency business because it was like I'm sharing all of my best you, ideas. What you did for Red Bull, I mean. Bro. Well, I, I look, I, I would say I helped start that spark, but there was a lot of good people at Red Bull as well, and they got it. I would probably say that, you know, what was helpful was that everybody at Red Bull was free thinking and open yeah. to embrace this idea and yeah. run with it. You know, it's like, so I would say it was, a, it was the right people at the right place who heard the message. Totally. And, but you delivered that message through VHS, through H2O. Correct. Like yeah. you sold them on the youth market. Yeah. You know, cause they could, they, you know, if they didn't see your youth market surf and skate competition, yeah, they could have been like, Oh, uh, volleyball or, Oh, uh, Soccer or lacrosse or because yeah. most, you know, yeah, it could have got big some brands other like that sports that weren't part of yeah the other big yeah they, they could have yeah. went to the fringe yeah sport of of traditional yeah. sport totally right totally and not because look how big they are in you know oh yeah yeah the well it's all the alternative cultural places you know which they're huge in that you know. You know, the way that I spilled the story on them was that it's like, look, you could go after baseball, football, basketball, because they're large sports with a lot of people that follow them. But, you know, if you take surf, skate, snow, moto, wake and BMX and you add them up, there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. in those areas. So, you know, it's like, you know, 
four small houses equals one big hotel. You know, it's like go after these sports because they're low hanging fruit. You know, it'll cost you a million dollars to get one athlete to talk to you in this traditional sport, but a million dollars in this industry will go across every sport. If you put a hundred grand in all these different sports, it'll be like $10 million. Yeah. Because nobody was putting money. And music to their ears is like, you know, these are all young customers pretty yeah, much you yeah. know and if and if Youth. you could yeah and if you could yeah. get them excited about the brand then you're going to have just like in any legacy brand you yeah. know or yeah. heritage brand it's, like you build the loyalty when they're young totally right? totally like and, exactly. and they're gonna you're gonna like hey these are customers that you're gonna have for a long the, time the biggest totally. the biggest uh businesses and corporations they want cradle to grave right? totally totally you know like introduce them to your whatever yeah at a young age, and if you, you, you get their loyalty, how long does that loyalty last? It could oh, be all the way. Totally. You know? Well, that's what it is now. You know, it's like that was the other message behind it is that you start with this young crew to seed your brand and you grow with them. And years down the line, you'll have an army of fans. And they also looked at it in that they didn't look at their beverage as a product either they looked at themselves as a lifestyle brand yeah that was the other thing too they're like hey you know that guy sells board shorts and that guy sells surfboards and we sell a liquid in a can but at the end of the day we consider ourselves a lifestyle company the logo the name and i mean everything is so important yeah the branding is like yeah you are a brand totally yeah totally that's the way they look at themselves but you didn't get to monetize it the way you wanted to you know i think i monetized it in other ways one through um collecting knowledge um, building an incredible network. I'm still friends with a lot of guys from Red Bull still. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And, let's, uh, get us, let's get the show to, uh, let's get them to sponsor the podcast, bro. Right? I'm not that good <laughs> friends with them. They don't listen to me like that. Uh, but, you know, they're good people and I love what they've done to contribute to our sport. And now they've got people there who are looking out for the for our sports too so i look at that as like man, oh, the athlete training aspect that they, yeah, they, yeah. they put their money into and and really elevating all the sports totally and yeah they're i mean they're they sponsor um my new boss julian wilson oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yep exactly yeah exactly. all the best carissa athletes. and yeah. great athletes some great people jamie o'brien yeah Italo. Yeah. Italo. So yeah. Lots of lots of good stuff from there. But I look at it as what I the wealth I got of it was the knowledge and the relationships and what it op- opened up for yeah. me in other ways, you know. It's like I was able to capitalize on it in other yeah. uh, projects. Okay. So. That's insane. So we can't end it there, but I know you had a, a call you might have to get to. Yeah, I just missed it right now that okay. I gotta get to unfortunately. Can, yeah. can we do part two? We'll have to do part two. I ended mean, at, yeah. ended at the red end of Red Bull and then we'll talk about like everything else you, you, you get back to the ocean and Yeah. I wanna know. come back. I wanna yeah. do part two. This uh, is this isn't over. Yeah, yeah, this is not over because I only if we really look at your intro we got <laughs> to about half maybe uh, uh, yeah, but no, we, you're involved in so many other great things, you know post you know red bull well yeah. so far we've had an amazing conversation yeah thanks. and uh, thank god it's it's cool because dude we're already two hours and almost two and a half hours oh geez and your your fans are gonna be like shut this motherfucker no up. dude even... the, this has been an amazing yeah. learning experience for for us yeah. and i think our listeners you know we like to inspire people you know, one thing that's uh, 
that we kind of find out is like we the show is inspiring because we Talk get people, people like, like you yeah. that tell us these things that were like what like you did what yeah. yeah you're part of what like you know and it and just that's, goes to show the authenticity of like our industry and the people in it and, the, and those that you know start over here you know maybe they went there and then they come back you know like it's just everything comes full circle a lot of times yeah, yeah. but it's also the web of but you're a surfer life. yeah yeah you know you're not a hoe dad <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, classic. But, okay, we're gonna cut it off here. Yeah, uh, this episode has been one. awesome. Episode one, Vipe Vipster Desai. Yeah. I know what? I got a question already from a listener here. It's popping through. <laughs> um, do you own the the swim fin, the Vipers, the Vipe fin? No, no. but I should look <laughs> at uh, getting a trade bar copyright, copyright yeah. fight. Right? That's uh-huh. it. Vipe fins. Yeah. That and dude, Vipapalooza got a nice yeah. ring to it yeah don't run out there and like you know <laughs> hey don't get that domain name man that's what it's that's what it's all about all right well ton of uh, more to talk about in the next episode but thanks all right peace bonsai bulls hands down the best bulls period seven locations two in hawaii five in southern california bonsai bulls go get some caliente southwest grill clean healthy mexican food Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade Shade Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.